G'day everybody and welcome to another Bloody Movie Podcast presents Film Fiasco coming to you in lockdown because we're all in Melbourne. All four of us are in Melbourne today. I'm your host Sean Coates joined as always by Eric Tisha. Oh hey. <laughs> <laughs> well and it's a, it's a very special thing because you know it's lockdown we're all bored we're all like what the hell are we gonna do like there's no movies coming out all cinemas at least in Victoria anyway are all shut down so why don't we dig up the hollowed, uh, rotting corpse of a franchise that has already been the pun- that was already the punching bag of so many horrible jokes from, I guess, the early 2010s onwards? And why don't we just, you know, dig, dig that back up and talk about those? Yes, we're finally doing the Twilight films here on Film Fiasco. It was going to happen eventually, but you know what? I've never seen them. Eric has never seen them. It, it, it was too big of and audacious of a project for Eric and I to head to do this head on ourselves. So we've got in some help. We've brought in some experts. Uh, joining us, uh, both two previous guests on the program. First up, she is from maketheswitch.com.au, uh, Ashley Teresa. Hey, thanks for having me back. No problem. Always a pleasure. And always a pleasure to have Sarah back, our Oscar specialist. And also, I mean, Oscar specialist and also Twilight specialist. They just come together quite nicely, don't yeah, they? Yeah, quite like a, a natural. Of, a lot of crossover there. <laughs> yeah, thanks for inviting me. All right, so we're covering the first film on this episode. So this, the first film, just titled Twilight, came out in 2008. It's directed by Catherine Hardwick, who has a pretty interesting filmography, actually, both pre- and post-Twilight. Um, started out with 13th, which is a film that I haven't seen, but a lot of people really like and was what gave Evan Rachel Wood a career. Has anyone seen that? Unfortunately, not. No, she also did like the Nativity Story, um, which I think is actually kind of okay because I had to watch that for Catholic school. school. Yeah, we would have had, we would have, Eric. Um, Then she also did the um, Dogtown and Z Boys, the narrative version of that, uh, Lords of Dogtown with Heath Ledger. Then she did this and then moved on to another film, which I haven't seen fully, but it was around the time when I got Foxtel in early 2012. And this film was just perennially on there. And that's her adaptation of Red Riding Hood with Amanda Seyfried. Um, uh, it's terrible. It's rough. really bad. From what <laughs> I've seen, it's awful. And yeah, she's just kind of doing a lot of TV now. She did a, nut, she did a remake of um, Miss Barla with J- um, Jane the Virgin a couple, like last year. Oh my year, God, that was her. Yeah, that was Catherine Oh God, Hardwick now I have to see that. it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll throw over to the Twilight experts now. Um, Firstly, uh, what's your experience with this franchise? Um, Ashley, we'll start with you because you were, what, 13 when this first film came out? So you were like the precise demo for this film. Yeah, it got me hook, line and sinker. Um, I was in year seven when this film first came out and I remember, I reckon it was like June, July, right when the final book in the series was about to be released. My friends and I got on them. We read them all, we were obsessed. So there was a bit of time before the films came out that we were really obsessed with them. So it was one of those things where I felt like we were OJ fans, like from the very start. So when the film came out, it was just like one of those things where it was so weird seeing a book that I loved so much on the big screen. But yeah, I didn't realize how bad it actually was until a few years after that. And I was like, wait a second, wait a second. But yeah, it was fun. It's always been fun. But yeah, my love for it has never died, even if my thoughts on its quality have. 
So you, you were really amped up for it. Like, so you'd read all the books and were you just like, so there was this anticipation for the film coming out, but was there also this, like this sense of like, they better not fuck it up. They better not fuck it up. They better not fuck it up. Um, a little bit, but it was never really something that I was worried about. I figured that even if it was slightly different, it would be its own thing. And it's a lot more faithful to the books than I always remember it being. Like I went back and reread the books recently and there were scenes from like New Moon where I'm like, oh my God, that actually did happen. And it wasn't just me thinking it was something that was added. So yeah, either way, I was going to at least enjoy it somewhat. Well, that's interesting because we'll get into it. Even though I have not read the books, it feels like uh, being too close to the source, like being very faithful to the source material is something that makes this movie good and is also kind of its massive downfall. But uh, I'll go move on to Sarah. Um, how did, yeah, what's your experience with this franchise? Um, okay, so I would have been in about grade four. So I was probably 10 years old and I was in class and I saw this girl with, the Twilight book, so this Twilight book, and she went up to my teacher, and they were chatting for a really long time about the book, and I was a sticky nurse. I was like, what is this book, and why is it so, like, interesting, and why is everyone, like, um, yeah, like, fawning over it, so I went and googled, like, a book with, like, an apple in the hand, because I didn't even know what it was called <laughs> at that time, <laughs> um, and I went to the bookstore and, like, scanned, and then I realised it was only, like, one or two copies left on the shelf, and I was like, wow, it must be really good if everyone's reading it, um, yeah, so I started reading it and never looked back, so, um, yeah, I would have read it, like, just a few months before the movie actually came out, um, but I think I was too young, so I didn't watch it in the cinemas, I waited until DVD, and then I watched it on DVD, um yeah but then by the time new moon came along i was watching it like in the cinemas and on opening day yeah. like first screening of seeing it multiple times well. yeah seeing it multiple times as well yeah multiple times um and then also like yeah with different like groups of people so i'd watch it like with my like my sister and then like my friends on a different day and then, like my other friends on a different day and wow. then yeah I'd imagine at that point, like, you're just, like, you're more watching the reactions of your friends more at that point. You're like, oh, I know this bit's coming up. How are they going to react to this? Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely me with my parents. I remember whenever they would come out on DVD, the day I would get them, I would always sit down with my parents and make them watch them. So I was at every film opening day, but I would always go with my yeah. friends from school. So whenever I got the DVDs, I was like, parents, it's time. And I remember my dad actually really enjoyed watching them with me. He's a bit of a soft spot for teen movies. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> my dad did not want to watch it with me. And my mom wasn't into it either. So I was just with my sister. And like for New Moon, I think we were kind of under the age, the age bracket, like they were looking for. So I remember like every time we went there, my dad would have to go up to like, you know, the, the ticket booth and like ask him like, oh, they're a bit under, but like, is it scary or can they watch it? And you know, those teens were just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, you yeah, can watch out. Watch These it. vampires sparkle. It's pretty, uh, it's, pr it's pretty intense. It's pretty graphic. The funny thing um, is like now looking back, it wasn't just like teenagers and, and people. Like there was some like a lot of mums as well. <laughs> and oh my god. There too. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's like that market was prepped for fifty shades. So when that came out, like they'd already had like a like a dress rehearsal with being yeah, obsessed exactly. with Twilight. And like Fifty Shades is a Twilight fan fiction as well. So it just works perfectly. Like mum called primer. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> Well, I just think what's in what, what's kind of more interesting about this film to me is that it took Hollywood until like 2007 to realize, hey, 
you know these teenage girls that have incredible dedication and loyalty to brands? Hey, why don't we make a movie for them? Like, I can't believe that it took them so long for them to do that. And it's really interesting in this, this film, like, for better or worse, and if, for me, like, I guess in terms of, like, culturally it was for better, but in terms of, like, quality of the films they were turning out, it was worse. Like, this kind of changed the cinema, the landscape of cinema for, like, a solid five years. Yeah, you're actually so right. I don't think people credit it enough with that. They just think, oh, Twilight, ill, But it actually did so much for young adult films. Just as, like, a subgenre. Yeah, Yeah, so much. And even just, like, giving, like, um, female directors opportunities to direct. Mm. Such a a big film as well. Mm. I mean, they didn't, at the time, I don't think they realised how big it was, but still. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the first film is the only one with a female director, though. Yes. So I think it was a really good way to, like, catapult directors, but they kind of, yeah, I think the choice of direction for each film was both a good thing and a bad thing. But, yeah, they're all their own feel. Well, one of them is directed by your mortal enemy, Bill Condon, isn't it? He directed the two last of them. two. Two of he them. directed the last two, that's right. Yeah, it's a struggle. But Catherine Hardwick, I believe, she was going to direct, she was offered to direct the second one. She was going to, but then they she said, you've got, she turned yeah. it down because they they wanted to release it within, they wanted it re- like completed and released Which, within yeah. the calendar, within the year. And then also they were going to give her the exact same budget. They weren't going to give her a higher budget. So she left the project. Which is insane to me. I'm actually going to do a quick fact check while we look for budgets because I'm pretty sure they actually like it was like 20 million for the first one I think it was a bit more than that yeah the first one was 37 million 37 million and then the new moon budget was 50 million oh what's for getting double anyway turnaround though yeah considering how much they grossed yeah yeah oh my god the movie was huge. It made like 400, the first one anyway, made like 400 million worldwide. And the whole fran- the franchise as a whole, I think, ended up making 3.3 billion across the five films, which is yeah. massive. Yeah, like parts one and two together was an almost a quarter of a billion dollars. And mm-hmm. the last one itself almost made a billion. So really good profits. <laughs> Although I those think- last two, I cannot believe they cost that much because they look awful. <laughs> yeah, I think like why <laughs> there's so much money um, between them is because you've got the fans who will definitely go see it opening weekend, opening day, and then also they will come back and like reanalyze it, kind of like similar to Marvel fans, right? Yeah, similar like, to re-watching. what we're doing now. Like yeah, like yeah. these films, they're they're kind of reviewer proof in a way. I mean, they're they're a laughing stock to a lot of audiences, but like the main audience, they just they're going to come out for them no matter what. Yeah, and then there's this notion of like missing out as well. Like everybody's talking yeah. about it. Even if they're making fun of it, they're still talking about it. Yeah, and if you a, want to be included in that conversation. Yeah, it's like a, it's a cultural moment. It's like part, it was like very much part of the, the zeitgeist. Like how, how, lo- how many times was there a joke where it was like, they sent, say this is like, oh, still a better love story than Twilight. Oh my God, it still happens like to this day. But I actually think it's really funny that you mentioned missing out because a particular friend of this podcast, Emily Wade, deliberately boycotted the Twilight series (laughs) because it was released around the same time as High School Musical 3 and she just couldn't bear anything stealing its... Yeah, anything stealing its thunder. So she only just watched the first one a few months ago because I made her. So (laughs) clearly clearly missing out is something that's not a priority for everyone. But... Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't for me because um my history with this it's rather short so i'll keep it short um i saw this film for the first time in like probably when it came out 
uh, on DVD for the first time. So it would have been like May, Mar March or April of 2009. And I was like, oh, I heard it was a vampire film and like didn't really know that much about it. And then watched it and didn't realize it was going to be like this sappy, melodramatic uh, <laughs> sort of th like weepy thing. So I was a bit disappointed in that. And I kind of was on a shame, was kind of on that like ignorant Twilight hate train for a bit. So much so. I didn't see, I haven't seen any of these in cinemas. I've only seen the first one, but I saw vampires suck in cinemas. Oh my That's God. How, yes. <laughs> oh I remember my God. that part. People remember that? People remember yes. that? Yeah. Oh my goodness. When we were watching it, I, I remember when the scenes were happening, I was like, I can remember seeing these, but in vampires suck when I was <laughs> like spoofing the scene. Oh my God. Like, of, um... I just remember like going to like Civic Video in a video easy and just like DPT cover of that, like next to Twilight. I think, like, I wonder how that would impact your viewing of Twilight, though, because it's like you were watching Vampire Suck, probably thinking, oh, surely the OG isn't this bad. And then you've gone and actually watched Twilight, and you're like, wait, no, this is actually bad anyway. Well, I've never seen Twilight. When I saw Vampire Suck, would have been when it came out originally, like in cinemas, I saw it in a cinema, a similar setting. Um, although I only sort of re remember the scenes like a little while when I was into the film. Like, this seems similar. I've never seen Twilight. It's like a weird sort of, um, I don't know, like nostalgic feeling, I guess, even though you've never experienced material because you've seen something similar in it. And like, I've seen this, this scene with the guy in the wheelchair and, and the, like the dad playing on the road, <laughs> but instead in Vampire Suck, like someone, I think the guy in the wheelchair is getting beaten up with his own wheelchair or something ridiculous like that. That's so I was like right. expecting that to happen. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't that movie. This is something else. I mean, we could start there, right? Um, I guess, well, oh, actually, then no. again, um, sort of like Sean, all I was told about Twilight was that it was, you know, not very good or shit or whatever. So, um, so I was sort of going in, ex like expecting not, not a very good film, probably not as bad as what people said it was, because it seemed like people it just seemed uh, trendy just to bash on it, like Justin Bieber at the time as well. Um, just like seemed like one of those things where it was like you love it or you hate it. And I sort of was, I don't know, indifferent to it. I didn't really care about it. I didn't see the point in just making fun of it because I haven't, because everyone else I knew didn't like it or anything like that. It was just it's this thing uh, that exists that people seem to have strong opinions about. Mm. Uh, yeah. We should probably start getting, un unfortunately, as we're recording over Zoom, I actually don't have a time code for our recording, but. Um, We've been recording for a while, so we should probably start talking about the actual <laughs> film. Um, it starts, I completely forgot this movie wrong. I thought the opening shots was like them driving into forks and like, you know, establishing and also the scene that Eric was talking about, the vampires sucked as parody. Um, but it starts out with this weird cold open of deer running through a forest. Yeah, okay, look, that's a fan thing, okay? Every single prologue of every single book is the pivotal moment where Bella is about to die or something bad is going to happen it's right the climax yeah, yeah exactly so that was a fan thing 100 percent. even if it didn't really make a lot of sense to like the general audience that was definitely a fan service moment trying to like i don't know symbolize bella as a, as a deer or something that she mm. may be i don't know killed later on subject to i guess the what was it the guy that ends up trying to kill her anyway in the end of the film it's a bit strange because mm -hmm. it would be taking his place as Edward. I'm pretty. I'm assuming that it's Edward that's chasing after a deer. I could remember because the 
I think the the. Cup... I don't think we actually see the person, but yeah. No. You, see the, you see the deer get like caught mid air, yeah. which is pretty cool. I think also it's just like the introduction of the themes of like a predator and prey dynamic as well. Yeah. Plus, it also has that moment of like action suit in right away because I know that it's one of those things where it's like, it's obviously a sobby love story, but in order to appeal it to a mass market, it's like yeah. that form action straight away. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So Bella is like her parents are divorced and like her mum's got a new boyfriend who's like a minor league baseballer. So like they're going to be traveling around a lot. So she goes to Forks, Washington, which I actually found out is a real town. Like I thought it was just completely made up. But no, so she goes there. Um, it's near like this Native American reservation. Uh, when they get there, her dad, her dad drives in, uh, played by Billy Burke, who um, everyone who's told me that's like very cynical about this series says that he's like, the most consistent and like entertaining part of this entire series. Yeah, he's great. And then we get, yeah, another car drives up and this is where we get uh, Bill Bur- uh, uh, Gil Birmingham as the dad. It was cool seeing him. I had no idea that he was in this film. And his son, uh, Jacob Black, played by, uh, yeah, I, I second uh, Ashley's, uh, um, played by Taylor Lautner, who really does not have a career anymore. Like he must look at um, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson like, their careers have just, like, gone off, like, doing all of, like, a complete and total rejection of Twilight and doing, like, all of these, like, incredible things. Like, you know, like, Kristen Stewart working with, like, Olivier Assayas and, like, Kelly Reichardt and, like, all these really awesome indie films. And, like, Robert Pattinson the same as well, like, doing this really eclectic and weird bunch of, like, both, you know, like, uh, like blockbuster and indie cinema. And Taylor Lawton is in Adam Sandler movies now. <laughs> Scream queens. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also important that we quickly talk about Kristen Stewart before we get into it any further because we kind of introduced the cast already, but we haven't really spoken about her. I know that like during the casting process, um, Stephanie Meyer wanted Emily Browning as Bella. Yeah, and so, Henry Cavill as Edward, which would yeah. have been weird. <laughs> I mean, like he would have had that perfect like stoicness, but he doesn't have like the. I don't know. I feel His like forehead's not big enough. Rob Hansen's much more approachable, which helps with that, like, vampire lore. But, like, Kristen Stewart already had, like, a solid name for herself. So she was already a star in her own right, but this just kind of took her to, like, supernova. So it's interesting, like, because she's such a good actress too, but it's sad that people only know her for her, Exactly. yeah, her mouth yeah. breathing in these in yeah, these like movies. She had a, she had a career before this, like you know, like Panic Room. Uh, like oh, what else was she in before that though? Zathura. Like, Zathura, um Catch wild. that kid. Yeah, Catch that kid, a classic. But wasn't was she the, like the frozen frozen in Zathura? Yeah, she was. Yeah, for most of it. <laughs> Fully yeah. downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. When people are bashing Christian Stewart's acting, do they think it's like? mostly her fault or do they ever like consider like the direction she's given in the material material she's working with because it seems like a lot of the key characters just they sort of behave a little strangely i don't know i mean um when i was watching twilight the dynamic between um christian stewart and uh edward it i don't know it seemed it, it seemed inhuman but it also seemed kind of understandable in the sense where I did sort of see these two as being a sort of good pair for each other because they just seemed equally as strange. I don't know. It's funny that you say that actually because I do think that it would have been a lot of direction because Bella is pretty much a blank slate. She has no personality whatsoever. Yeah, by design. By design so that, you know, no no offence to 13-year-old girls listening, but 13-year-old girls that don't yet, have not yet established a personality. Oh my gosh, she's so mean. Oh, but despite Despite the blank slate, you would sort of hope that 
your lead would show more than just sort of like days staring at her at her lover, sort of a bit more than that. Yeah, yeah. I think she was always the... more like internalized, anyways. Like even yeah. in the books, she was a lot like that. And I know that a comment, um, a common complaint about Pattinson's performance is that he constantly looks constipated. But if you think about it, yeah, and I agree. But yeah. if you put it in context, he's like. Edward's constantly battling with the thoughts of other people in his head. Exactly. That would definitely make him very pent up. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's also because he's like a hundred years old and all yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and also like I, I was listening to like um, one of Rob Pattinson's interviews like I think two years ago and he mentioned that one of his inspirations for like playing Edward was um, the movie by Ang Lee called Lust Caution. I don't know if mm. anyone has seen that. And basically it's the, the idea of both of them like really, really um, wanting to be with each other, but they can hardly touch each other. And that's what's so romantic about it. It's like wanting to be together, but also like fighting against the forces and not being able to like fully be together and like give in to, um, you know, their desires. And so yeah. that's why there's sort of like that pained expression all the time. <laughs> And yeah, because again. he knows he could kill her very easily. Yeah. I guess that also leads into the, uh, I mean, it's a bit too, like, out there to be called subtext, but the uh, themes of abstinence in this film as well, which I'm sure Ashley is going to rip into a bit later. But there, so what happens here? So it's her first day of school, I think we're at now. Um, and she, first up, she's like in PE, and this is just something, and this, this, I mean, maybe this is just because I'm a bit competitive, but, like, I understand PE is hard, like, sport is not for everyone, but at least try. At least try in PE class. Like Bella oh. is like what, playing volleyball and she's just going, uh. I could understand her not trying, but what I sort of don't get is why she sort of forces herself to play. Like usually, I don't know, at least my experience is that if someone really didn't want to play, they would just piss off. They just wouldn't play. They would just, I don't know, sit out and do well, just that pretty much. I, th- I think I think what that is, is at her old school in Arizona, they had like thousands of students at her school. So she didn't really need to not participate. She could just kind of like hide in the background. Yeah. Whereas school. like Forks, yeah, Forks has like 3,000 people there alone, not just in the high school. And it's like, she would really not really have much choice because all eyes would be on her anyway. So she'd probably easy to just play and yeah. sit out and everyone would be like, oh my God, why is she not playing? Especially if she's the new kid yeah. as well. Why are we analysing this so deeply? We did the same thing on The Greatest Showman. What what I wanted to ask before is um, both of you mentioned like the sort of internal dialogue or context of like the character's thoughts sort of of demonstrating why they're behaving the way they do. In the film, that doesn't seem to, at least for me, that that information doesn't seem to come across. And it might not just be like a problem that I have. I think it does a little bit like at the start, you know, with like Charlie doesn't hover. Like it's a bit difficult when you already know the context you're always going yeah. to automatically go to that first and then this is a big problem when they adapt films that there's some stuff that they just have to cut out that's sort of like the person yeah. familiar and then it's true material, the same way as well on. right yeah when they try to include things for fan service and then it will include like the fans and will help keep them happy but it will also sort of like marginalize people who haven't read the books yeah, I do think there, yeah, I think there is a chance to put your own experience in it though, because everyone's been in high school, everyone's been in love, and everyone's at least had a crush when they were in high school. So I think that even if you don't necessarily have the book context, you could always put your own experiences in there too. Whether or not they necessarily fit is another thing entirely. So I understand the criticism, but I do think that there is that bit of breathing room, especially since it's a coming of age tale. Like it's one of those things that doesn't matter what your experience is, you can still kind of fill in the blanks yourself if you wanted to. 
I think that really applies with with probably with with Bella, but not so much with Edward. But I could sort of mm. you can well, tell wait, that until Midnight like, Sun comes out, then sort of suffering from, from some sort of pain. It's just the only problem is that I, I sort of I don't see uh, much justification for why they're in such pain. Is the only problem. Yeah, and it I'm does come like, out later. Like, I also just think that that sort of like that sort of like I guess approach to writing into like you know being able to make this person like for lack of a better word a blank slate uh, works a little bit better in literature and is a bit more frustrating in film. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, but she you know she's not like a complete loner. She does make friends on her first day, including Anna Kendrick, which you know like I was like, look, I remember this movie. Like, there's vampires. There's like you know. There's some love. They play baseball at some point. Uh, that really annoying guy that Hollywood were really trying to make a thing in the ten, in the 2010s. Uh, I've never heard it pronounced like that, but yes, him. <laughs> and so I was like, I know this. And then Anna Kendrick shows up. I'm like, wait, Anna Kendrick's in this movie? Yeah, she's a really underrated part of this series. But you know what, though? Like, Jess in the books is so boring. She's like a little, like, chatterbox gossip. <laughs> And Jess is definitely that in the like the film, but what little screen time they actually give her, Anna Kendrick, is just so good in it. So I think she really kills it, even if she doesn't remember that she's in it herself. Yeah, I mean, for a character that's <laughs> yeah. sort of there to relay like exposition, she, she has a lot of charisma. She really does. She has a lot of yeah. levity there, and a lot of it's not even in the dialogue. It's mainly just her expressions and the way that she reacts to situations, which I think would be the reaction of most people who are outsiders to the story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like her um, sort of reactions to Edward just seem more like I don't know that they, they seem more genuine, I guess, than sort of the blank sort of staring. And sort of that's how I would have expected Bella to react when she sees uh, Edward, uh, maybe to, to sort of show that her, her attraction towards him. Then sort of just the, the strange blank stares that they have, like they're having staring. There's a lot of that in this film. Yeah, and I do like, think a lot of that is her trying to figure him out because he's unlike anything that she's ever seen before. So maybe if she, like, I get what you're trying to say. I, I feel like I'm constantly coming to this. Actually, yeah, there is on a few, of this film. On, on, on his behalf, it's mainly because he's used to hearing the voices of like everyone's. Um, like internal monologues, right? That's so he right. can he hear can read minds mind. of everybody. That's and he's book, trying to... Right? He can read yeah. Mind. yeah, he can read minds. Yeah, so book. he's trying to figure out, like, why can't I hear her voice? And that's yeah. what... And it's, I think you see some scenes as well. He's frustrated as well. And yeah. not just, like, blank stares. I think Bella's blank stares come from the fact that she's so bewildered by how attractive he is and how she's never seen anyone like him before. And wow, as that a shy girl with experience massive. with men... Yeah, exactly. She just can't Those do anything but stare. Those cut glass. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, in the next scene, she is staring at him in the cafeteria when there's some really great banter between, like, Jess, Bella, yes. and their friend Angela. Well, just before that, though, I think there might have been a deleted scene somewhere because one of these guys, who's apparently Bella's friend, who, new friend on this first day, who we've never seen before, just comes right up to her and says, hey, Bella, and kisses her on the lips and then runs away. You mean Tyler kissing her on the cheek? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was on the yeah. cheek. It looked like it was on the lips from where I was, from what I saw. That's what that I would was... be incredibly problematic if it That's was. That's what I was like. And she just like shrugs it. I, I don't know. It was weird. I think it was just like solidifying the idea that she was the shiny new toy in the school and everyone was like bored of seeing the same people. And so if something new comes along, everyone's really intrigued and excited. Yeah, and that guy has, like, two scenes anyway, so it wasn't really yeah. worth, like, introducing who yeah. he is. Yeah, I mean, actually, no, we, we saw him in the volleyball scene. 
Right. Do we saw Tyler in the volleyball scene? I don't think so. Never mind. No, That's why right. I think, that, why I think yeah. that was a deleted scene somewhere. Do, do these friends get a lot of attention in the books? Because like the establishing of the friend group seems to come real quick in the film. Um, Bella just kind of goes along with a friend group that is already there. Yeah. And she bonds a lot more with Angela in the books than she actually does Jessica. But there's not really that much time for that to really go into detail. In the but, film, it doesn't really seem like she willingly friends them it seems like they just assimilate her in their friend group oh, that's what it's like in the book too that's what it's like in the book too there's one of the people in the friend group who's actually in the film but she never actually gets a single line she doesn't like bella at all but she mm. just kind of goes along with it because she's in their friend group okay i just kind of want to see mean girls with vampires but wait they already did that didn't they that was that shitty vampire academy movie wasn't it <laughs> Look, that film <laughs> did not do those series justice. All right, I have them here. Okay. I thought the author she was great, and I actually same director, same director as um, Mean Girls as well. That of the film version of that, I believe. But I think it was the same one as Heather's as well. Or they were trying yeah, to go that, for a Heather's that makes sense, Yeah, but yeah. just on this, like that friend group that you mentioned, I read that like Catherine Hardwick really kind of fought to make that a little bit more diverse with the casting because apparently yeah. in the group they're just, yeah. in the group, they're just all white kids, and like you know they diversify that up a little bit. Yeah. I don't think, like, Eric in the book was just a white kid with black hair, but they made him Asian in the film, which was, like, cool. Mm, so, where about something now? Oh, so this is where we get the slow motion of the Cullens, like, walking into class. And can you probably explain to me, these vampires are, what, like, 50, 60 years old? Um, some what? of them are actually... Let's, yeah. get the, let's get the exact Jasper's, Jasper's the youngest. Like, he was, like, what, vampired in, like, the 70s or something, wasn't he? Yeah, our favourite Civil War fighter. Civil War. Yeah. Yeah. So Emmett was born in 1915. He was changed when he was 20. Um, Rosalie was 18. Yes, they're all in their teens and they're all within like the last century. Edward was okay. 1917. 19, yeah. Why are they in high school? Because they're bored. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Are they? Why are they going to school? Are, are, is, that, is Peter Fascinelli just oh, like, oh, you guys don't know shit. They go to school. They actually explain really this. They do. Yeah, they I do, know. I missed that line. In the film, they explain, because they've got an artwork of, like, graduation caps in their house, and pretty much Edward explains that the younger they start off in a new town, the longer they can stay there. So that's why they go through high school. So is that all, oh, is that, like, okay. their entire lineage? Is that, that, like, thing of graduation caps we see, is that all theirs, or is that just, like, their extended family? All of theirs is theirs. No, that's theirs. Oh, okay. They move so around a lot. Ed Edward, yeah. Edward's just graduated high school, like, I don't know, like sixty times, six times at this point. Yeah, probably. That's an that's an interesting way to sort of keep undercover, sort of. Mm. I don't know. They would have a weird record of just uh, of all these like high school graduations. Like if someone was to look at this, they'll be scratching their head like this guy's completed high school sixty times. Wonder what he's doing. I guess they do say it's a private joke because no one really goes yeah. to the house anyway. I, I yeah. wish there was like it's a. Just an I wish there was like a Wolverine. I was, I was under the impression say, that oh sorry you go Sean. I was just gonna say I want like a Wolverine thing where like Edward went to like World War Two and like Vietnam like sort of like that sort of thing. Edward's gonna go fight in all these wars. Probably the Cold War like you know in the Soviets just so against the Soviets because you know the ideal conditions for vampires I guess. I think during that time Edward was off being like a Dexter's type serial killer at that point because he definitely rejected his vampire ways for a really long time. Like when he was turned, Carla tried to teach him like you know, how to be a, an ethical vampire. And Edward just kind of rebelled against him for a while, went off and did his own thing, which I'm sure would have been like during World War II. But coming back to the, um, like, it's, it's a weird way to, 
Yeah, that actually that, is that gone into strange. He goes into a bit more. Like basically, he like will he kill. Yeah, he'll kill humans, but he'll only do it to, like, rapists and murderers and stuff, so he doesn't feel as bad murdering them when, like, yeah. But um, back to what you were saying before, Eric, about, like, it's a weird way for them to kind of exist, like, over through high school again. I think that all really comes down to them, like, they don't want to be considered monsters, so I feel like trying to reject their vampire life and just going back to high school kind of helps them with that because they could always like just no, stay no, yeah like, they could stay indoors during the day but they don't want to like they don't want to do that they just want to be normal they could just work regular jobs i mean they might have to change jobs up i guess it's like a similar situation with the high school thing i was just thinking like it's mainly because it's the demographic it's like in a high school setting aimed at high schools because I, I my theory for for edward being at high school being 100 whatever eight was that he was just really stupid and he was just spending like X amount of years trying to complete high school yeah. for that time. So they would have just had this guy that was um, trying to complete high school for like 80 years or something God, like I've, that. I've, I've repeated the senior year for the last, I don't know, for the last six decades and I still can't understand calculus. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, but this is about, as, as I said, I think, where were we up to? I think they, they, they've talked about the, Cull- the Cullens are talked about from a distance because and it's like, oh, look at those fucking weirdos sort of thing and then uh what bella walks into biology class and uh, as uh sarah was saying as just as we were recording this is an iconic scene because there is just a carefully placed fan right next to the door and like right as she stands in front of it in slow motion we get the hair swiveled back and then we get like this zooming in shot of edward and as soon as he kind of makes eye contact he nearly falls off his chair (laughs) oh no doesn't his page like like blow up so it looks like a euphemism that he got a boner or something at least that's how i saw it i don't know if that's like what they, they were trying to get across in the film or the books uh, if you if we skip ahead like a little bit you'll find out that her um bella's blood to edward is stronger like the scent of her blood is stronger than all the other blood that he's smelled before so that band gust like that wind gust straight to him is very overwhelming and that's why he's got that reaction. Is that just based on blood type or is that based on just... There's a particular, like... <laughs> is it midichlorians? Like soul type. You know, like, like, yeah. Like, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. So basically, there's like a little, like... It's like Latour Contante or something. It just means, like, there's one person that, like, their blood is just... It's like everything to that one person. They've never felt that craving before ever in their entire life. And it only really happens like once in a vampire's existence. So imagine falling in love with a person that you want to like drink their blood more than anyone in the world. Interesting. Interesting, yeah. But then it's after this, like he, I mean, I, I mean, this scene's incredibly relatable. A, a pretty girl sits next to you in biology class and you can't go to school for a week. You got to deal with that shit. That's relatable. Maybe he was doing you don't know how to react. killings in the meantime, <laughs> John. What was that? Yeah, what was he doing in this time? He was off hunting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, oh, so that's what was... That's maybe mountain lions or something. Yeah. He went up to and Alaska. He under control. Yeah, he did go up to Alaska. He went to see his cousins. They have, like, oh, vampire yeah. cousins. Oh, it's so funny that, that just from that um, clip at the beginning of the film, that they just run after an animal and just, like, tackle it and kill it that way. <laughs> I mean, talking about trying to, to uh, simulate as being like human behaviors, shouldn't they just hunt them normally? Oh, I don't know. This seems, seems like a really brutal way to, to, to hunt something. 
tackle it and kill it like that in the spot. I guess since their senses take over, they can't really control that. Fair enough. And do you want to see? Do you want to see vampires running around with like hunting rifles? I think it'd look funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I probably would have wanted it, knowing me. Sure, I, I love seeing dumb-looking things. Like, I was a bit disappointed that the uh, um, scenes where Ed was running around in the forest, like Sonic the Hedgehog, didn't go for longer. <laughs> I was surprised it's only like His feet a touching the ground. Going to go for ages. I guess because the budget was smaller than you know they like if they actually wanted it to look good. Oh, but yeah, they could only do so much. Also, no, it didn't even seem important that that stuff um, being shown off anyway. It was so just important to the fans. Yeah, it's probably because um, in the books, Edward is known as like the fastest runner out of um, the Collins. I think they do that's, mention that in the baseball scene, anyways. A baseball. Yes, scene, they do. Oh, absolute masterpiece. My favourite bit in the film, easy. Yeah, that's literally the only part I remembered when I watched this, like, years and years ago. But um, just someone brought up something there. It was, oh, yeah, the things with, like, him running through the forest, like, Sonic. Like, there just feels like there's something missing there. Like, there should be, like, a moment of, like, oh, like, this moment of sort of, like, wonder or, you know, like, oh, look how incredible this is. And I just, there's just, like, it's really lacking energy or, like, a thrust of any sort of... I think that might be Catherine Hardwick's directing style, like draining everything in blue. It just gives it like a very gloomy feel. So nothing feels as wondrous. Like if you think about like those same scenes in New Moon where everything's got like a much warmer colour palette, it feels much more epic. So I just feel like it's the film's style that's in the way. The film is, yeah, trying to be a mood piece, but like kind of doesn't work because there's a lot of really dumb shit happening in this film. It's all um, saturated, like cool hues. There were parts where it seemed kind of warm. I just but even even like in like when they're playing volleyball in like the in the gym at the, like at the beginning of the film, even that like you know this bright like like this bright sort of brown hardwood floor, like that that still got like the blue filter over it, so it looks really weird. Because Fox is gloomy. I think she's just sort of like setting up this world, which is while it's sort of it's sort of similar to what we live in, it's sort of like an insular world as well. Yeah. Uh, where are we up to now? Are we up to the... Um, I'm just checking my notes here. I'm checking my notes here. I've got mitosis meat cute. Um, so this is another thing in biology class, which is where I think Eric... Uh, Eric, sorry. I, I did this on our fucking Book of Henry episode. Something Edward and Eric. I'm gonna, That's going to trip me up. Sorry. Oh, you know, I am in the film. <laughs> I'm not Edward. Uh, you're, you're the deer that gets uh, murdered at the beginning, aren't you? Oh, there's a guy that's called Eric. He's one of is the there? friends. Oh. Yeah. But anyway, Ed, Edward gets back and to biology class and he can find, and, and it's something, doesn't he say something about like there's a stench, like maybe like her blood stinks and this is what you're talking about, like there's this strong stench from her blood and this is where they, oh, no, I don't know. Well, someone, someone he doesn't me. allude to it though. It's just, yeah. I think he just says it vaguely like you smell or something. She thinks she smells and so like she smells. Yeah, she her puts arm. her nose like right into her armpit at this point, right? <laughs> but this is, yeah, as I said, mitosis meat cute. So they've got a telescope in front of them and it's like you have to identify what stage of like a cell division or uh, I did not. Okay, yeah, so this is the yeah. second time. So after he's gone missing and he's come back. Mm. Right, so they're on better terms this time and he's not so cold to her and yeah they're identifying cells with mitosis 
Yes, and now are they just stupid? And they is the uh, is the cell division happening in real time? And they're like, oh, this is happening now. Or are they just really stupid and being like, oh wait, no, it's this. Oh wait, no, it's this. As as a biology teacher, this is they're in a specific state already. (laughs) They're not moving within stages. Oh my god, that means they will be splitting. Yeah, I'm assuming that like some some a couple of minutes have passed. So so here's the thing. I can't remember if it was in the book or if it was mentioned, but I think Bella is like quite advanced anyways in biology. And um, Edward, obviously, because he's been doing high school for so long, he's well-versed in biology too. So the joke, well, the running joke is um, when they're identifying what stage of mitosis both of them are pretty good at it. Oh, I just got the impression they were just doing this schoolwork. Well, they just didn't want to talk to each other. So like, oh, it's, uh, we're at the anaphase now. Um, your turn to have a look at it. I think it was kind of like flirting slash like showing off as well. It's definitely flirting yeah. slash showing off 100%. Yeah. Like that and then we do see at the end, um, Bella ended up with the golden, um, the golden onion as well. So she was with oh, that's right. Because that's what... Even though they had like a full-on conversation. <laughs> now, was that onion a GMO or was it um, like a standard onion painted gold? That's what I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Is, that, is that in your little book that you've got there? <laughs> The Golden Onion Award. It's it's the most important character in the film. Yeah, I'll have a look. It was going to be an important MacGuffin. They need the Golden Onion to kill like an ancient vampire. I would have thought the most important uh, would have been uh, the pinstripe hat that uh, Kristen Stewart has to wear later in the film when they play baseball. But uh, where are we? No, this is where we get to because we just keep going. Fluorescence. Oh my god! Yeah, this is a podcast. (laughs) We're talking about incredibly, incredibly small details about films i mean this, I is, was, this was expected when we were to get ashley and sarah on the show but you know i'm loving it so don't worry um this is where we get uh the car crash scene or the car veering off and almost hitting bella yeah so after um yeah so after like their little like meet cute in the hallway where they've spoken a little bit and there's like a little bit more of like their relationship blushed out, I guess. And he says like, oh, you're very difficult to read. So there's that nice foreshadowing. They're staring at each other across the parking lot and there's like ice on the like right. the ground because it's yeah. been snowing that day. Yeah. And Tyler, who kissed Bella's cheek before, yeah. his van kind of spins out of control and in very like, very slow frame rate, Bella turns around realizing that it's going to pin her against her truck. Yeah. All of a sudden, Edward's there, stops the truck um, with his hand and there's like a nice little dent and yep. then she stares in wonderment and they both Ed- like, Edward runs away oh and goodness. then a, cra- a crowd come in and they're like... Four the people hell? call 911 at that point. Yeah, someone needs to be calling Mulder and Scully, I think, because they'd be like, uh, Kristen Stewart, are you an alien? Like, how the hell did you stop this? You have superhuman strength because nobody saw Edward. Nobody saw Edward. I think that the way that the van ends up like crashing, it kind of looks like it clipped the back of Bella's truck, so she just got really lucky. Right, but so she. They just... don't really. Yeah, in the book, it was described a little bit different. Like he ended up like pushing her against the ground, but yeah, I guess this one looked better anyway. It looks cool, and you know, it's you know, you're, you're denting property, so that costs money. And if you got money, let's do that because it's not going to the best. I mean, you'd rather that go into the special effects, but I don't know. Who, who knows? In the book, do they just do they mention any of the friends just being stoners? Because that guy was like speeding into the, the the driveway. I don't know why, and then he just like slipped out. And then when it, when the van was stopped, he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Like the I don't know the way that he responded seemed um sort of it seemed a bit too calm for almost killing someone. 
Well, he just hit his head. He probably had a concussion. Yeah. And isn't Why this... Doesn't this happen earlier, like, uh, it's, oh. talking about, isn't this the second part of, like, someone slipping on ice? Like, cause it does, doesn't, doesn't, no, on her way to the truck. Yeah. On her yeah. way to the truck, yeah. And um, Charlie, I'm pretty sure, changes um, her tyres as well on her truck. Yes, he does. Oh, okay. Oh, worse are ones. <laughs> uh, so, she's mystified by this, as you might imagine. And is this where, like, um, she meets back up with Jacob and, like, she, uh, Jacob tells her, like, the history of, like, his name. No, is that further on? No, you got to That's when they go to the beach. That's when they go to the beach, right? Well, there's nothing in this movie. I'm sorry. Edward says he's a oh. vampire at the hour mark of this film, okay? So, right. You've missed the introduction of Carlisle. We've missed, yeah, that's the most important part, uh, who, guys. Now, who is Carlisle? Edward's dad. Oh, right. Played by Peter Fascinelli, yes. Yes. Who would have solved coronavirus by now if he was real. (laughs) So basically in that scene, like, nice little, like, meet with Carlisle. And then it's actually seemed really annoys me because it reminds me of, like, guys in real life in terms of, like, how they gaslight girls that they date. But pretty much Edward and Bella have this confrontation in, like, the hallway of the hospital. And he pretty much just says, like what exactly do you think you saw? Like, and she says, you know, I saw you push the van and he's like, well, can't you just thank me that I saved you and get over it? And he's quite caustic towards her. So any goodwill that they had like earlier in the day is kind of like gone. Right. But for some reason that attracts her to him because she dreams about him that night. So maybe she likes being treated terribly. Does does he dream about her or does he show up in her room? He dreams about Mm -hmm. him. Or she thinks, like, she dreams about him anyway, but he is actually there in her room. Okay. That's weird. Is that part of his telepathy? Like, he's, like, he can just stand in the corner of the room and it's like, hey, you're going to be dreaming about me now. He can't read her thoughts, but he just wants to check oh. up on her and see her because he's already attracted to her. That was That's... really weird, though. <laughs> just him popping up in the, in the corner of the room. It's like the predator's, like, ambush spot. Now, is this about the time where we get, like, the first one of these, like, weird uh, kills from, like, this vampire, this weird vampire troupe, the vaguely defined villains of this film? Yeah, is this where, like, yeah. there's this guy, this guy at, like, this dock who just, it, it's kind of, it's almost a good scene, and it just doesn't really happen. What with the boat? Uh, well, there's, no, there's the boat, the and then there's one beforehand, the yeah. No, yeah, this is the the. Oh, I think like in a construction site or something. Yeah, you're oh. right. It's just like the shadows. Yeah. So the the second of which, like after these killings, like um, oh, fuck, I can't even remember what's happened. What Did they go buy that? a prom dress or something? It's just I can't keep up with this fucking movie. Okay. <laughs> that was later, wasn't it? That is. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. You paid attention. Put us back on track, please. please. It seems like I paid more attention. I was doing shit in the background when I was watching. Oh, here we go. No, I've got um, Edward Moonring eyes. I've got this as my as one of my notes. Because yeah. why do Edward's eyes change colour? Because when he's hungry, they turn dark. Ah, but right. he tells her that it's the Florence. It's like, why wouldn't you just yeah, say it's like, oh, under, it's like oh, under good lights. God, that was so funny. It's the Florence. It's and like, then he walks off <laughs> our conversation. I'm like, I'm like yeah. what kind of bullshit's that? And then oh, is she also looking at Kristen Stewart's eyes? It's like, why the hell are your eyes brown? Aren't you? Don't you have green eyes? That's really kind of oddly unsettling. Bella has brown, brown eyes in the book, so she was wearing contacts through filming. But who cares? Just it's have, just a detail. Who cares? Yeah, just, sure. And the, the it's fine if you're like the details. Come on. But how many Twilight fans are going to be like, oh, Bella doesn't have brown eyes? Not buying oh, it. You can like, bet right, there would be like, some. Oh, 
it's really Maybe surprise, Sean. You were you were right about the the prom dress shopping. So like after that scene, um, she wants to see Edward again, and they go to school, and it's like a really like sunny day, and right. um, and they're not there. They cut neither of the Cullens are there. It's like hmm, what's going on? And they're like, no, the Cullens never show up when it's sunny or something like that. Yeah. 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 Also, we had a pizza day last week. I offered him some garlic bread, and he hissed at me. So I don't know what was going on there. Okay. <laughs> Was there yeah. a badum tiss in there? <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll, uh, that's the response I was going for. Don't worry. <laughs> I've got a question. Why does the sheriff keep saying that all these killings are like animal attacks? I mean, it seems a bit strange having an animal attack at like a, um, a chemical plant. Yeah, and what got him? It's like his code for just, uh, this is like a, a, like a violent crime for, for whose nature is unknown. Yeah, I think also um, because the blood is drained and these nomads, so these vampires are much more sort of like animalistic compared to the colors were much more civilized. And also, I think... Um, they don't wear shirts. Well, no, I was going to say they don't wear shirts, but they just wear a jack open. They just wear their jackets open. And no shoes. Going. Yeah, and no shoes. Yeah, yeah and I think also um, it is sort of like insinuated as well that Carlisle is not, not the medical like officer, but he also checks up on the like autopsies and stuff like that. So he could probably sway and like um, oh, right. tell, tell the chief that, that, that it's that an animal attack. Or do you think, or do you think he's, work. do you think they're just taking his, uh, because I guess he's the medical expert, do you think they're just taking what he says is face value or do you think he's making, like making it look like it's an animal attack? I'm just, I'm just trying to think of ways to make this movie more entertaining. So I just got the impression because it's like a small town. They're not used to having <laughs> such violent crimes and the cops are just being like really lazy because I remember the father saying like there was a, a killing out of his jurisdiction that he couldn't investigate. Yeah. Whenever his question about the killings, he's just like, oh, it's an animal attack. Like, it just seems like a really strange thing to say when like if you know the location, it's an industrial plant. Like are you telling me what like a mountain lion just snuck in there to kill someone? doesn't really make much sense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like reading into it too much. I'm sure we are. I'm just focusing about like the details that no one seems to care about, like the father's profession, which I don't know if that's handled in any detail in the books. What does it say in your novel, in your little Bibles there? <laughs> about, about his profession. Well, they're, they're, like you said, he's how many medical, sport. how many times, like, does he keep going back to medical school then? Like if the Cullens are going back, does, uh, does, what's his, does Carlisle. Carlisle keep going back to medical school just to keep it up to date? Or is he still doing like nine, uh, like fucking 20th century, I guess like 1910s sort of like, you know, medicine and medicinal practices on people in the 21st century? Because that I'd be that I'd be interested in. Well, that, because he doesn't sleep, and it's because it's one of his passions. I'm assuming he just studies in his own time. So that would what that yeah yeah yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be at medical school if he was like working at the morgue. You know. Yeah, but has he been at the morgue that whole time? Well, probably no, not. No, but he goes to um, check up right? and give advice. Yeah. <laughs> but he probably just goes to where they probably just go to wherever he gets transferred. Um, yeah, well, I think he gets to choose, like, the lucky thing is at his age, people won't notice, like, him not aging for, like, a longer time compared to, like, kids, you know what yeah. I mean? Well, he can just be like, like oh, teenagers are looking okay. exactly the same all the time, people would question that yeah. more. 
Yeah, and, and and if someone just like didn't you work here before, or like they see him in a photo or something, he's like, oh, that's uh, my dad or my grandfather. Well, they move that's around a bit, so yeah. they move around a bit, so they probably haven't. But like, um, it says here he felt that by saving human lives, he he could compensate in some measure for the existence of vampires. So he clearly, because like his dad was really religious when they were like when he was a human, um, so he had been raised to think, you know, like all. Oh, creatures and vampires were like inherently evil so clearly this is his way of trying to like balance the scales a bit okay wait so religion so is that their own religion or is it christianity is it catholicism like what is their religion no i'm talking about his no i'm talking about carla's dad when he was a when he was a um when he was a human oh right okay gotcha 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 where are we at now? <laughs> I'm trying to get us back on track, but there's really, this movie is like an hour of nothing that a baseball game. Okay, let's, let's jump to, um, after they, they go looking for dresses and Bella goes to look for a book. Right. Put into the scene. Because this is where he, this is where she's looking for, I guess it's like uh, the town, a town folklore book or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah, Probably well, written by um, the werewolves of the tribe. Yeah, we've skipped over the entire scene where oh, she's like looking at up, isn't she? Yeah, like, the beach scene because initially they decide that they oh. do want to be friends. Yeah, oh because my God. how did we do that? Wait, the apple yeah, scene. Okay, I mentioned on, it earlier, and you said that wasn't there, so I think that's how we skipped it. So they they all go to the beach for a day um, because Bella says there's something there that she wants to see, or like no, or so they she gets invited. Yeah, they're uh, planning a day trip to the beach, and Eric's right. like, La Push, baby, it's La Push. <laughs> she actually invites Edward, and Edward is like, What beach? And she says, The beach. <laughs> the beach. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a little crowded. There's like a hard cut. And to then just, there's like, the like empty beach. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it's okay. Washington State, like, it's <laughs> on the Pacific Northwest. It's all going to be horrible, miserable, you know, rocky beach crap. You know what? I think we skipped over this before. Because my brain, like, I hate Jacob. So any scene that he's in, I just tune out. <laughs> so because oh, they see Jacob there. So that's something I forgot to ask. Uh, so you're definitely Team Edward then. Oh yeah. Same same oh, for you, Sarah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, okay. His hair is beautiful. I never though. understood people who are Team Jacob. Look, Eric, when you watch the third one, you'll understand why. Okay, well, that, that's the thing. Eric and I will find out if we're Team Edward or Team Jacob by the end of these five fucking movies, I guess. But. So, yeah, so they're at the beach, and she, she meets Jacob, who's just there, I guess. Because like he lives him, there. Him and his wolf boy bros are surfing, I guess. And, um, oh, no, he says he doesn't surf there, because there's no way. So the beach is on a reservation, and that's why that's um, right, Edward yeah. and the Collins can't go, because they've got that's a treaty. That's right, that's right, correct. And so he, this is where, basically, he gets into the history of his own tribe, and how his tribe is literally the descendants of wolves. And you're wondering, like, oh, how does this figure into it? Oh, wait, no, they're werewolves in the next movie. That's right. So, and then, yeah, someone explain this to me. Or, like, go over what's going on here. Okay, so, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I should have paid more attention, but it's Twilight we're talking about. I really want to see sorry. a copy of these notes that you made. Okay, so basically, right, they mention that the Cullens don't come onto the reservation. Oh, my God, I love them. <laughs> and um, one of them says, like, the Cullens don't come here. And... Uh, <laughs> She's gonna float information out of Jacob. Oh, that line reading. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's Oscar worthy. But basically, like he pretty much spills about like their tribe secrets and says that um, they made like a treaty with vampires like back in the day without explicitly really saying the Collins were the vampires. 
Yeah, they look like they look and also, like. Also, I think yeah, it's important to note as well. Like Jacob wasn't sort of like that that age where he became a part of the tribe and he knew everything that was going on with his history. Yeah, he thought so, it was superstitions. Yeah, so he sort of like has heard about it as a legend, and so that's the way that he um, translates that to Fala. So then she hears about this and about like so basically like Google's this tribe essentially it is Google it's not like Bing or like Searchy or something some I don't know like fake search engine yeah so she know, finds like, the book that she wants to buy and put in um in this in town and that's why she goes dress shopping yes because Anna Kendrick and her the other friend who I've forgotten the name Angela. of already they want to go Angela thank you. I can always count on you to, <laughs> to let me know about these names. Just like, and just correct me anytime I make a mistake, which will be plenty. And same goes for Eric too, but it's going to be more me. So yeah, they, she goes there. Um, she kind of just like, leave, they're about to get dinner or something. And then she leaves to go to this bookshop and, oh no, they go to the bookshop together, right? And they leave. No, she goes on her own. That's right. So she... <laughs> I'm sorry. God damn it. She goes on her own and she ends up getting like followed by this big group of guys whose intents right. are obviously not pure. Yes. And in a film with vampires, this is the scariest part of the film. It's actually horrifying. It is. It looks pretty weird in a teen film. I, I don't know. It seemed like, yeah, she's going to get gang raped or something. I think that's what they were trying to go for without explicitly saying it. That's what they were trying to imply, but that's yeah. what I read into it. And I thought then, then Edward rocks up in his Volvo. Um, Driving like nowhere. a bat out of hell. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, and back to the earlier, um, uh, the earlier scene with the car almost crashing into Bella. The stunt work of car, the car stunts in this movie are only swerves. It's only, it's only like, you know, burnouts and like sort of like doing... My favourite is the way he turns around when they leave. <laughs> it's so dramatic. The way he reverses out and drives off is hilarious. So but great. I just love like the ability to scare off people by just staring at them. Oh, like yeah. I'm sorry, if I saw even if this guy had like mind power. Grail though? I swear he grails. I'm hallucinating. He makes like this really like low grunt in his like throat. Yeah. You like can like barely hear. And the, those guys are probably like, what is going on? Yeah, I didn't sign up for this. I was gonna say real life Edward's getting the shit kicked out of him there. I'm sorry. Yeah, so pretty much he, like, angrily, like, drives off and then decides to, like, take her to where they were meant to go for dinner. And because right. Jess and Angela are the best friends ever, they've already eaten with their Bella. And then he decides he's going to take her to eat. So then I, I hate how much I know about this movie, but Sarah, like, you know that it's, like, Bella's stunt double that's, like, the waitress as well. And she gives oh, Bella, like, like, yes, yes it gives, she gives yeah. Bella, like, her famous washroom ravioli and Rob Pattinson's song is playing in the background, in the background. while he's telling her how he can read minds. And now it's I, just, it's epic. Apparently, this was the scene that Rob, like, went out of the um, premiere of Twilight when he saw this. Yeah, because he didn't want to hear himself sing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But didn't, wasn't this also, like, I was reading something on the IMDb. Wasn't this song also written by his uh, younger sister, Lizzie? Sister, Lizzie. Yeah. Yeah. She was on, like, X Factor or something. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And this isn't also the scene where we get the Stephanie Meyer cameo of her, like, ordering eggs. No, that's, no, that's, that's a, a while later. Like, okay. I'll remember when that comes in, trust me. So, yeah, so this is where, like, I guess, yeah, it's like she says about the mind powers and stuff. God, I have completely forgotten this fucking movie. I am so sorry. I, and so, I should so, watched it again. Like, sex, guys, money, sex, money, cat. Iconic. Yeah. So here's the thing. Basically, she demands answers from Edward, and Edward tries to give her a spirit of pie. And in surprise, oh, she goes, "Yep." 
have to admit, even, yeah, even I have to admit that was. Is that in the awful. book or is that just like, oh, why don't we just put this? Because this will be, that sounds like I a very that was in the I don't remember it. Yeah. No, that sounds like a very screenwriter thing that they would put in. Yeah. It's very cheesy. Anyway, so basically Bella threatens to leave and then Edward starts to spill some, some secrets and then he, he does mention that he can read minds and then we get the cat. Oh no, it was like, what was it? It was money, sex. Oh uh, yeah, that's what. And then cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it, it, because that's in reference to like what do most people think. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I know what you guys are talking about. Jeez. <laughs> I thought I just lost Yeah, they're in the diner. Money, sex, cat. And I was thinking, like, is that a line? And now mm-hmm. I can remember where he's saying it because he's like reading the minds and it. Yeah. Yeah, Eric. Yeah, and then as an audience, you find out as well that Edward can't read Bella's mind, and that's what's um, like really puzzling for him. Oh, no, it was strange when. when that was happening because when he's like looks at her and says nothing, I was thinking like, is he trying to say that it's just stupid that there's nothing going on in there? Yeah, that tweet was like, have we ever thought about the fact that maybe Edward can't read Bella's mind because she has no thoughts? Oh, well, I mean, Which... she's not very <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not really getting much proof that she doesn't do much else other than just stare and I guess yeah, like and breathe. mouth breathe. Like it's almost every single it's sentence. Weird close yeah, so many, so many of them. So many times, and I'm going to mention it again, of Robert Pattinson's massive forehead. I'm sorry, it's just the way that he styles his hair. You see, you're seeing that thing, it's taking up like half the frame. That's how it's meant to be. That's how Edward's hair is. It's like You can project, you can project the, the movie on his series. forehead. Yeah, I agree. Forehead. Let's talk about yeah. Eclipse, like the Eclipse the hair. hair. <laughs> he, he looks like he's 30. I know, it's so bad. Well, all of the Cullens look like they're well-dressed ice addicts. Like, yeah. all of them. <laughs> I mean, just the way they dress, they just look way too old to be in high school. Because, you know, I don't know, they got like some, they, they, they have like a, like a fashion sense to them, like a mature fashion sense. That's mm. because they're old. They all kind of dress I know, the same. They, they should, if they want to look like high schoolers, they should try and dress the part. Uh, it, it would just be cool if, like, one yeah. of them was, like, I don't know, like, vampired in the 70s, so they're just, like, in, you know, like, it, as if they're in, like, you know, the clothing of their times. Like, I don't know, it'd be stupid as hell, but it's Twilight, so oh, just that'd be amazing, though. Because <laughs> what, what Edward Cullen would be wearing some, like, uh, I don't know, like, Prohibition in um, era American clothes yeah, or something. Yeah, driving a penny, far- like, riding a penny farthing around, too. Uh, oh, another note I have here. Um, I have no idea where this was, but uh, this is another bad line and probably from the screenwriter here. It's like, your mood swings are giving me whiplash. Oh, that was from the uh, iconic scene with the apple. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh my God, how did we not talk about it. the apple? How did we yeah. not talk about his sick fucking hacky sack apple skills? Stop, okay. It's oh. great. I screamed oh, over so I saw the scenes, that. Like the amount of time like just, they had to do that. It's so yeah. bad. Have you practiced it? Have you tried to do that in real life? It was on a string, so no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you didn't actually do it like um, Tobey Maguire did his trick in Spider-Man. So I think he actually Because it, it, it felt oh. like it was a send-off of that. Oh. It, really it probably did. was to an extent, but... but I, I know, I'm but sure like... All, all of the Twilight films actually do pay homage to the title. They do. Uh, to, the, to the cover, apart from, I think it was Eclipse. But it's a feather in Eclipse, right? No, it's, no, it's a just the ribbon, the red ribbon. Oh, okay. Feather is new moon, right? No, no, is it a, uh, a flower? Oh, I, th- I thought like a, a feather was on one of them. Okay, no, it's a flower. <laughs> okay, I thought it was a feather. Okay. Curious. <sighs> 
can't believe. Well, you think you have a poster for tickled, Sean? I'm just oh, you are. exactly. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm just so out of touch. Where are we even up to? Is she like googling now? Uh, so they've just um, had dinner. They've just had dinner, and isn't it dinner. on their way back? This is where Wait, like didn't they we see... skip the excursion. We did skip the excursion. Oh my so god! They go to a greenhouse or something, right? Because they're yeah, yeah. biology. Yeah, compost drink or something. And Edward's oh, like nice to her at the start, and then he comes up. He's like, "We shouldn't be friends," and it's just like, yeah. <laughs> that's right. And then like bangs on the door of the school bus. Oh yeah! And just he's like, before this bus this. is taken, and there's nobody. <laughs> Just before this, is it the Michael character, the one that Anna Kendrick ends up with? Or that, like, is the Anna, Ken- Anna Kendrick's boyfriend later on? Yeah. It's like she tries to ask Bella to prom. And back to, like, at the very beginning where there's, like, really interesting and kind of hilarious stuff happening in the background while characters are talking in the foreground. Like, you can see, like, it's framed so that, like, Michael is talking to Bella, just like a single, like, reverse shot. But in the background, you can see... Um, Edward. I said Eric again. You can see Edward... Like staring in, kind of like an ear, kind of turned over, trying to he's reading the mind. Yeah, he either could oh. hear it because he has good hearing, or he's reading um their minds. Oh, but just just the way the mind. shot was framed, like there is some form of playfulness in this film. It's just never fully realized. But in moments like this, it really comes out. I, whether it's intentional or not, I just found it really funny. So, do we want to skip to um, Bella's googling or searching up oh, the yeah. cop? Now, didn't we cover that? No, we, we cover when That's she did like a... Yeah. See, what happened? After she got the book, um, after the diner scene, and she's been saved. Do you remember that scene? <laughs> you sure? No, I'm, compl- I'm sorry. I really should have... <laughs> it's okay, it's quite small, yeah. So she pretty much just Googles... She pretty much just Googles the cold one. She finds some, like... Um, oh, legends and, and vampires and, and all that. Like, I think Nosferatu is one of the vampires that shows up when she look, Googles the cold one. And like, it's not like, like, I think it's and either Dracula she, or like Nosferatu, they come up. Yeah. And then she starts to like piece like things together. So yeah. like um, on the way, I think it was on the way back to the diner or after, after the diner scene, she goes to touch the air, um, the AC. Or something like that, yeah, and their hands touch, and she hand, finds that. It's like, oh, your hand cold. is very cold. Yeah. Oh, and also another detail too. When he's driving her home, they do stop by the police station, and Carlisle is coming out of the police station, and That's he mentions right. the yeah. animal attack again. This is about and the second, sort of like a the second murder. Yeah, yeah, and it's sort of like a mutual understanding between him and Edward that like these attacks are happening. Yeah, it's those, again, which they shouldn't be. Yeah. So th- these nomads that are doing these killings that are like you know being said as animal attacks like have they been tormenting the cullens forever or like for, for like for a while or are no, they just like just the new through. are they just like new pests that are coming through and they're just like oh yeah and it does complicate things as well because the cullens have an understanding with like the werewolves right they're not not to go on their land and not to be hunting humans and that sort of thing and so these nomads sort of like throw a spanner in the works right okay so then after that, this is where it's the next day at school. Um, there's, sta- again, long staring between Bella and Edward. And uh, they lead, they, they, they ditch school and just walk out into the forest. And this is where we get the I love the music in that scene. I know. Part of Bella score snapped. Yeah. It does, in moments, I think in this scene it does, but in other times it the mu- i don't know if it's just if it's carter burwell or just the music supervisor for this film because i remember the soundtrack was massive like when it came out when this film came out but i just feel like it feels really out of place like especially when they're like towards the end 
like I think it was when when Kangajanda is getting like burnt up in the fire and like you know they're saving Bella's life by like sucking to to jump way forward when Bella gets vampired by Kangajanda and Edward has to suck out all the venom. There's like this weird sort of like that's Rob's song, you know. Is it? Actually, wrote it. It's so so out of place. There's so much repentance and slander on this podcast. I hate it. I love the man, okay? It's just that this film is, this performance is so strange. I'm sorry. I don't know why. I think it's partly due to the direction and partly because of the source material. I don't think it's his fault. (laughs) And like he, the person who hates Twilight most is him. Because uh, shout out to um, one of my old uh, uh, film professors, um, uh, Dr. Mark Freeman. Um, he uh, has always, like, ever since I've done his classes, he's always, like, led the charge in being like, no, you guys have to change your minds about Twilight. You have to revisit them and look at them through a different lens. Specifically, watch the commentary with Catherine Hardwick, Kristen Stewart, and Robert Pattinson. Now, have you seen that? They're drunk for all of them. They have to be. <laughs> well, I watched, Hilarious. I watched like a five-minute clip of with their commentary, and it's just like they knew what they knew it was up. They they were aware of what this movie was, and they just fully embrace how stupid it is. Sarah. Do you remember that part in the Eclipse commentary where they're talking about the wire that's in, like, Rob's collar so they can make his shirt? Oh, because that's a specific specific type of ruffled collar. (laughs) It's the most, like, whenever I think about the Twilight series, that's the first thing I think of, like, that particular line of commentary is just... It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. I just think about that dumb meme about like Edward being like is the kind of guys who in poetry would talk about like a snail being effervescent or whatever the fuck that <laughs> is. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so a think? snail today, effervescent. Oh my god, I want to like <laughs> I need to find it. It's so funny. <laughs> I mean, is that a real word or is it a nonsense word? What is effervescent this? is a real effervescent word. Effervescent is a word. They're a great band. Great band. I'm like that's evanescence. They're going into the forest and she's making some declarations of yeah, it's like, like, things that she's noticed. You never come out in the sunlight. Your skin is cold as ice. Uh, there's something else that she says. Uh, oh, wow. You don't How old are you? 17. How long have you been 17? A while. A while. And she's like, say it. Say it. Say it, motherfucker. Say the words. And she's like, you're a vampire. Edward. And, then, and then, afraid. and then, and then he asks if she's afraid. And then he's like, tell me, the mo-, like, answer the most basic question. What do we eat? And she doesn't actually answer him. She's like, oh, I know you won't hurt me. And then we get our iconic running up the hill scene. And then Sarah, the Fenty Beauty sparkle on the chest. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we are. The glitter. Man, this is stupid. Okay, so <laughs> instead, in as you all know, and this has been the joke about like the 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 so-called pussy vampires of Twilight, as I think Sarah was telling uh, me off air just before we started recording, is that your dad was not too fond of. Um, no. <laughs> so. <laughs> Basically, yeah, instead of basically combusting or turning, bursting into flames in sunlight, uh, Edward steps into the sun and an Instagram filter appears on his skin. And, it literally yeah. looks like a, an Instagram filter. I mean, it doesn't seem like a very good excuse for not being out in the sun if they're sparkling. I mean, I guess, like, people would notice it, but it's like, it doesn't seem to have much of a physical consequence to them, like a bodily yeah. one. 
But then this is what... Uh, there's some line just before Kristen Stewart has, like, one of the worst deliveries in the entire film, which is when she's like, you're beautiful. The skin of a killer. The skin of a killer. Oh, that's right. Oh. Yep, and then we get um, what is it? Uh, the confessions of like, um, how strong he is and all of that. Right, and this like, is where this is, tree branches. This is where the yeah, this he's basically having a conversation to her, but like, is you know, like, it, there's I loved in the subtitle track on Netflix while watching it. The amount of times the ominous whoosh came up in the subtitles <laughs> was great. But yeah, so he's ominous whooshing around in the middle of a conversation. And it just from just in parts like this, and there's like hanging upside down from trees and like, you know, on top of like rock faces. And it just ama- it just reminded me, imagine if like real conversations work this way. Like you're talking to someone, then you just run over to another corner of the room and then talk to them from there and then just keep doing that. Like how that it's just stupid things that happen in movies. Extremely like- <laughs> disorder or something can't be still uh, so uh, i can't even remember what ha- but the only thing i can remember next so is end, when she actually basically yeah after him talking about how she's heroin for him pretty much right um it ends with him and um bella in the meadow that's yeah, right they're lying like, together staring Bella's at each other playing. once again and, and then, the land. yeah, exactly. And then, like, she gets picked up from, like, picked up from her house for school, but, like, the next day, and he's there outside, and she's, like, walking. She's right. like, oh, oh, I was so iconic. With him. Oh. So iconic. Like, oh, that oh, quote. Those, those three and, lines, oh, my God. I, I remembered it on the top of my head. And you know what? In grade five, I, I used those three words as vocabulary in my essay, because I thought, like, I would be so smart and <laughs> Oh my God, I, I know exactly it. what she did. They're, they're like, like on the back of the novel too, in love yeah. with him. And then they go to school, and everyone—it's kind of like them going like official, and everyone's like watching them. He's and like, like wait, everyone's staring at them, like what the Lover. hell? Like, not that guy. Oh wait, he just looked. But just firstly, um, I—it's—I'm missing. It, I think we've just skipped over one of my my single favorite part of this movie, which is where the dent in uh, the truck in in Bella's truck. Edward just comes out and pulls it out just by one Wait, hand. We're is getting that there. Next? That's the that's oh. the very next scene. Although the same song is playing, so I love it. But yeah, um, pretty much he, she asks him like more questions. So it's really just like an exposition dump at that mm. point. But then there's like a really cool like scene where he's like jumping off a like a cliff, and then like he lands like like it cuts to the other scene. Oh, he's jumping like, on a car. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And also, um, it's kind of a small thing as well. Hi, but hi. when when they do arrive at school. Um, and like Edward's got his arm around Bella and all that, you sort of see the Collins in the background and they're very disapproving. Yeah. Collins is like everyone around them. Yeah, it's like, it's both the Collins are like, uh, yeah, they're disapproving, but then also like, you know, Anna Kendrick and that group of friends is also kind of like, really? Like, and I think it's they're just more like, gobsmacked more than Anna. Yeah. yeah. Because also in the books, like they paint Bella as someone who's like super average as well. Well, and, the movie um, does too. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, that's not a dig at Kristen Stewart. I think she's beautiful, but they just they do a jo- they do a, like very pointedly do a job of like dressing her down a lot to yeah, and um, you know, and just like say every, that like apparently like no one's good enough for him, and that's sort of the idea that they thought the reason why Edward doesn't date any of them. I thought it was like 
they just didn't like any of the columns because they thought they were so strange and it was like this new girl um uh ha- like dating this cullen boy um i think when they went to school there's like a strange like slow-mo scene where they're just like walking in i don't think it's just like the cullens and the and um bella's friends i think it's everyone that sort of looks at it and sort of giving yeah because it's like they sort of like make a passport yeah. it's like the back of the cullens interacting with someone that isn't a cullen is just weird yeah and it's it's interesting, um, like that scene in particular, because it sort of reminds you of like what you'd see with the, uh, I don't know, I guess in like other high school films where it's like you have two, like an odd pairing, walking down like a hallway and everyone just like looking at them, like in jealousy. I guess in this case, it's more so they're looking at them in like disgust. They seem kind of disgusted at it. Or at least that's the impression I get. Yeah, there isn't really any. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. There isn't like a point of view shot from like Bella and Edward as they're like walking through this crowd of people and everyone's staring at them. It's mainly well, like, just yeah, front a bystanders on. type. Yeah, of, yeah. But this, so now this is where he does the great thing of pulling the dent out of her car with. I can't remember if he punches it from the other side or just grabs it and pulls, he it, pulls out. it out. Yeah, that's right. He does it. Single greatest bit part in the movie, and then this is where she meets the rest of the Cullens officially. But then there's some off remark. It's like, are you more scared about the, being in a room with vampires or being in a room with some, you know, killer vampires or the fact that they won't like you? What like are you, you more scared of? Yeah. So oh, they go, God, and then we get the iconic cooking scene. We get to the oh Cullen Estate. We get to the Cullen Estate, which is a glorious place. Before we continue, can I just quickly mention the fact that in the book... Bella's outfit that she wears to go and meet like Edward's parents for the first time is like a like a navy blouse and like a long like a full length khaki skirt and Edward says to her like you um you honestly look so look so enticing it's insane and I don't think I've ever in the history of my my entire life ever heard anyone describe someone wearing a full length khaki skirt as like sexy so thank god they changed her outfit for that scene because like I don't think I would have recovered they got it. They got to be accurate to the book. See if I agree with them or not. I can't even remember what the outfit was in this, but I. She's I just... wearing. She's wearing a green top and jeans. Brown. That's right. Yeah. That's right. They yeah. sound like something pretty like simple compared to like the the khaki dress and and the blue blouse. Yeah. So I just think is... also in two thousand and eight, no one would wear that. So. No. So yeah, we get to we get to meet the rest of the Collins in their gorgeous house, which looks like um, uh, what's his face, um, Oscar Isaac from Ex Machina should be living there. Oh right, um, yeah. Yeah. So we we meet the rest of them, and they put on this big feast. But apparently, Bella ate earlier and is not very hungry. But because vampires don't need to eat, they're all really pissed off. And one of them is holding a salad bowl and she breaks it with her hands. Yeah, and she's wearing gloves because, like, she broke her, like, she cut In the her first hand cake, on, like, yeah. fake glass, yeah. But uh, we get the iconic line, like, is she even Italian? Her name's Bella. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it peaks in her. So this is where we go. We also get a tour. This is where we see the the bunch of like the, all the framed hats of like sixty graduation caps that are there, and we get to see Edward's wor- Edward's room. And he doesn't have a bed because he doesn't sleep. He's just got like a little futon, but he doesn't have a bed. And he's got a wicked sick CD collection. I w- I, w- I don't want to see a crossover of Twilight and Only Lovers Left Alive, where Edward's just hanging out with Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. Oh, yeah. They're just listening yeah. to the music. Although I think like Tilda Swinton probably like. I don't know, trash him just because he's 
It's got CDs and not vinyls or something <laughs> like that. Well, it's 2008. Like, vinyls were still, like, you know, people were, you know, selling those at garage sales at that point mm. and, like, you know, giving them to op shops because it hadn't become retro yet. I don't know, but what kind of... I, don't, I didn't get a good look at some of the CDs that... Um, fuck, I keep going to say Eric. Edward. That Edward has. <laughs> but what kind of... I'm just trying to think. Vampires... Like, would vampires listen to the sorts of music that are in this, that's in this soundtrack? So would they have, like, would they all listen to, like, Paramore and Linkin Park and Radio? Well, well, in the book, Edward actually does have a Linkin Park city in his car, so maybe. Edward does play piano, and so there is, like, an insinuation that he likes classical music, and that's Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he probably wouldn't be into the newest, like, even though he does have a very expansive CD collection, you know, he is from, you know, the early 19th, early 20th century, so, you know, he's... why his preference in music would change, even though he's 100 years old. I don't think he's going to be 100 years old, and he's going to be like, oh, I've only liked classical music. He said that he didn't like the eight. no, yeah, he didn't like the 80s, I don't think. That from the book is that? That's from, that's from the book. Yeah, he prefers like classical music. So you're right, Sarah. Okay, so classical music and Lincoln Park. There's some uh, yeah. very taste there. You better hold on, Spider Monkey. You better hold on, Spider Monkey, or whatever. She improv. Apparently, that he line. chose that. Yeah, he yeah. chose that line. Yeah, he did. Oh, no, yes, she like... chose that line. It was Kristen, was it? Yeah, um... Kristen had a few options. I'm pretty sure. Which yeah, they had a few options, but I, like. That was the one that he wanted, right? I think. Is this in your book too? Actually, I'm actually gonna look. <laughs> so yeah, they they she jumps on the like you know he basically is having a piggyback ride as they climb up trees, which I imagine must be very hard on the on the shoulders, um, and also on your on your lower back as well. Um, then they they sit up on this tree branch and look over like the vast expanse of like this lake that's in Port, or it might have been a river. As I said, I don't know. It's a <laughs> valley and there's, there's a lake. I promise when we get to New Moon and the rest of these films, I will pay more attention. Yeah, and take a bit of aerial shots just up in the, the, the top of but the it's a ni- It's a nice moment. Um, and then you get to hear the background. Oh, it music. is. There we go. Yeah, the background music, which is um, Bella's Bella's all by Iconic. Okay. I mean, I, I like that, but it just goes on for a bit too long. It's like... But- it's also, and I guess this is mainly just the problem with Bella as well. Like, she needs to emote more about this. Like, she at least a couple of like, oh, or like, woo, or something, you know, have some excitement or like some unexpectedness that, you know, this vampire boy is piggybacking you while he's, is, is, really? is giving you a piggyback ride while you're climbing up like massive, like sort of pine trees. In the book, she did say she was too scared to, like, scream. She was just kind of like frozen when he would run with her on his back. So maybe that's just that. I thought her reaction was that she didn't seem to care about this idyllic, like, landscape, and she seemed to be more invested in, like, Edward, and they were at the top, and they're just, like, staring at each other. Like, he's, like, trying to show her this, like, nice, like, um, like, landscape, and she seems to be more interested in, in him, I guess, in this, like, landscape, like, like trying to reinforce their, um, their sort of romantic bond. I don't know. Okay, and then isn't after this where we get, like, where Bella's... It, again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is where Bella's sleeping, and this is where Edward shows up, and, like, she realises, oh, crap, this creep is actually watching me when I sleep. Yeah. And this this is where, like, the weirdly conservative sexual politics and abstinence themes comes into it here. 
or force repellent chastity belt. Yeah, what the hell was that? Was that him, like, not being at... Yeah, someone please explain that to me. So he's about to, like, m- like sort of make a move and, like, is literally, like, f- like repelled off of Bella. It, I'm guessing it was him. <laughs> yeah. It was him, yeah. yeah. So basically he was just testing himself to see how he could control, like, his urge not to, not to bite her. Um, and then he found out that, yeah, he was stronger than he thought he was, but he didn't want to, like, push push it so he just um yeah avoided the situation right and then they do the thing which i don't think anyone's actually ever done in real life and only exists in like movies and instead of instead of you know having sex they just sit or stay up all night and talk to each other which again like enforces this sort of thing with abstinence and look that's completely fine that's your it's a choice i absolutely understand that and power to you if you choose that it's just I was wondering, like, why, especially when this movie, like, a lot of people say how sort of progressive this film is, and then, like, it's still got these sort of, like, conservative-ish values in there. It's a bit strange. But then I found out that, you know, Stephanie Meyer's a Mormon, and it makes a little bit more sense. I thought it was just a weird subversion against what you'd expect. Yeah, see, I was kind of thinking but that, too. Edward is always, but... sort of, is always, like, a gentleman-y type of um, character, and that stems from, like, him being... Um, so old. He's well. yeah. He's well, like he's from a different era. So there's different like, I don't know ideas of. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much it, really. I mean, and that idea of like abstinence is something that he's retained these ideas over a hundred years. I find that a bit hard to buy. I don't think he's going to stay the same for a hundred years. Probably going to. It's again. It's again. I wanting to. Yeah, it's his ideals. He wants to do everything right because he doesn't want to be like a vampire monster. So he wants that normalcy and like to follow the rules because he feels like his soul is already like tarnished. So it's him like trying to go through. It's why they don't have sex until after they get married. He wants to follow tradition. It's like a strange Christian Puritan. Yeah, and there's also. See how that can compare to. There's a conversation about his soul as well in New Moon. Yeah. Okay, but I'm sorry, but the whole idea of vampires is they don't have a soul. Isn't that right? Like, they're literally demons. They are, Watch you know, me moon and find <laughs> out. <laughs> okay, I'm excited till we get to that discussion. <laughs> and this is, where we get to ba- this is where we get the baseball game, right? The... Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, this is where we get to the baseball, and this is where we get Supermassive Black Hole by Muse, and you pump that shit up as loud as you fucking can. You know what? I have watched the Twilight Saga three times this year because I have a bit of a problem. So anytime I like, yeah, shush. I have a bit of a problem that whenever I hear one of the songs from the soundtracks, and that's often because I love Paramore and I love Muse, I have this overwhelming like urge to watch the series again. So it's only like so many times I can hear one of those songs from my, okay, so watching them again. So yeah, it's, the soundtracks are just too good. They're oh, way too God. good. Jeez. And it works so so well with like the lightning and sound oh, effects. Just chef's mm. kiss. It does. It so does work well on that scene. day. It does work well in this scene. It elevates the scene a lot. It is. It's so I guess different to everything else in the movie that's come before it. It was a nice change of pace, but like speaking of the whiplash that um, it's, uh, uh, what's her face Bella was saying that the mood swings from Edward were giving her. Like that's the kind of whiplash I got. It's like oh we're doing this now. Like this has yeah. kind of been like trying to be like a like a sort of like broody sort of mood piece and kind of failing at it but now we've got this like sort of fun baseball scene that like i think maybe it was just a representation of like the honeymoon phase between like edward and bella honeymoon Did they not get honeymoon but, but you know what like, i mean like, like they're, they're 
like the typical early days like, you teenagers know teenagers in love like there's nothing really that's going to well i'm dead like, inside, get in so their way kind of thing so. i mean how is yeah. that is the baseball game like a big part of the books is it even in the books yes is, or is it like is it just like we played baseball like oh we hit it really long and oh these dickhead vampires came i up got the impression of our game it's the, the big ball. turning point in the in the in the book as well as the movie I got the impression that um, the director was just trying to make like a simple baseball game entertaining. No, that actually does no. happen. That's yeah. what they do. Like that's what their favorite game is. So like because it's supposed to be um, like extremely special because they have to wait for like the lightning to strike to strike and it has to be a perfect storm for yeah. it to work. Very strategic about it. I mean, it's like it's not only just like the game, but then it is also um, the, the the trio of like murder vampires sort of. Uh, they intrude as well during while the game's happening. It seems like they hear the game. That's why they come over. Yeah. yeah. What I was like trying to say is like it seems like they're they're sort of um, the intensity of the game they sort of carry over with these like the introduction of these characters. Uh, well, right, and the pace does sort of pick up actually, like after yeah. those vampires are introduced. Yeah. Hmm. What I find strange about this whole scene, like, is that even though, like, it's very, like, it's, it is a fun scene, I do. It's, as I said, one of the best scenes of the film. It's, I just find it weird that, like, reading on IMDb trivia, and, I mean, you take that with as many grains of salt as you possibly can, but, like, the amount of the actors that said they had to, like, do, like, training and baseball practice just for this scene. Really? I mean, yeah. Actors always pick up strange skills on set, so... Like, I know that, um... What's the extent? Here's how you swing a bat. Okay. I think it's more of their form. Like, it is how to actually pitch. I don't know if you guys have seen Carla Ray Jepsen's underarm baseball pitch, but that would be me, so... Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that could have been, like, a dumb line. Like, maybe Peter Fascinelli could just be like, oh, I once pitched against Joe DiMaggio or something like that. I don't know. Like, something. Or, like, Babe Ruth, he's a hack. Like, you know, I <laughs> struck him out, like, struck him out back in 32. Like, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I thought that missed opportunity, but whatever. But I love the entrance of the nomad vampires in here because they emerge out of, like, a cloud of fog. And it looks like either they're moving on a... Peop- they're, like, walking, but they're walking on, like, a people mover at the airport. They are walking on speed and they're going so much further. They're either on a people yeah. mover or they borrowed a dolly from Spike Lee. I don't know what it, happened. It looks, so <laughs> weird. it looks like their steps just drawing them, like, they're <laughs> greater distances than what they are. Because they're, like, they're I think walking and I think they're on a... Hardwick is just trying to convey, like, the otherworldliness. Yeah. Of them, yeah. Yes, so and they like they they come across as threatening, obviously, because they all you know look like this. And uh, I I've, I read that in the again in the IMDb trivia that apparently uh, this Victoria, one of these vampires, uh, originally cast in this role was Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, so apart because she you know it was too small. So she she was originally cast, wasn't she, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So then, like uh, Rachel Lefevre, who like plays her in the first and second films, drops out due to scheduling conflicts, and then Bryce Dallas Howard comes back for the third one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I thought I thought she just played a different character because I read Bryce Dallas Howard is in the in the later films, but I thought she was just a new character. No, she replaced her. Because, like, as, as I said, like this film didn't have as much money, so there weren't there, there's not as many stars. Like Kristen Stewart is probably the high watermark here, 
but then like in the later films like especially with the villains you get like a lot of, like you, this cast gets pretty big and pretty extensive as you said like Bryce Dallas Howard like Michael Sheen, Michael Sheen uh, Dakota Fanning uh Rami Malik, I think is in some of the films yeah yeah he's in the last one part two but no it's interesting how this this I mean this this saga just continued to grow and yeah but yeah, so they come across as threatening, but they're also like, can, uh, can we play? Or so? Yeah, and they also mentioned that um, well, they, like they, the police are tracking. Yeah, that's right. And they're yeah. also hiding Bella. They're also they're also kind of like standing around, like huddling in a circle around Bella so that they don't like sniff her out. My favourite part is the way that they tell her to put her hair down and like <laughs> somehow that will mask it. And Rosalie's like, that will help. Like I could smell her like across the field. Yeah, did you shampoo your hair this morning? Fuck. <laughs> yeah, and then all it takes is like a big gust of wind again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yep, the ta- table scraps of the early 2010s, Cam Gajandit sniffs it out. Like, fuck, man, this guy is terrible. I'm sorry. Like, they tried, and I've, I've harped on it before, but they were really, he was like, he was like Sam Worthington, like a, a, a lower state Sam Worthington, this guy. Like, they, they were just trying to make him happen, and it just wasn't working, because it was this, it was Easy A, it was that horrible burlesque movie. Roommate. It was, it was The Roommate, it was Priest. Has anyone seen Priest? Oh, I've seen Priest. And The Unborn. <laughs> oh, that's right, he's in that too. It's Paul Bettany, yeah. Oh man, that that's a that's a that might be a film fiasco at some point. I kind of enjoyed that movie when it came out, but it is dumb as hell. I love how much we know about his filmography. Just as well, an aside, what's he? He's doing like director streaming movies or something now, or like maybe even asylum movies these days. Who knows? Or maybe he's just comic I have no movies. idea. Maybe he's just doing the comic conventions because he was in Twilight once. I don't know. But yeah, so okay, how does this break up? Do they just like? Do, so like he's like you bought a snack and then yeah. um they don't know that but James is actually a tracker so he enjoys like right. the game he enjoy, enjoys the hunt yeah and the, the hunt right he, he and then he's the also sport. realized yeah and he's also realized like Edward is extremely protective over Bella so he thinks it's going to be a good so time. that's that's why he doesn't kill her right then and there because he's like it's not it's too easy now yeah 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 so they run off he's like I'll get you next time gadget and runs off. <laughs> Um, so pretty much like, um, they decide they're going to have to get Bella out of town. Um, right. and then she's like, oh, no, we need to like protect my dad because he could go to my house. And pretty much they don't really explain wait, 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 it. Hold well. on. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, so, sorry, continue. Cause they don't explain no. it that well. Yeah. They don't explain it that well, but basically like, she's just worried that if he's trying to track her scent, that will lead him to her house where her Charlie. dad is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this is what I was confused about. Because yes. I was like, why? Okay, if she's going to go to your house, why would you go? Wouldn't you go away from there? Because that's where he thinks you're going to be. I well, think, that's like, also I know you need to warn too. your dad. She, but like, So she stages the scene that like she's leaving. So that way, um, James is not going to like look there or spend any time there. And he's saying they know that he's listening. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and pretty much like it's not explained extremely well, but in the book, she's pretending to have broken up with Edward. Whereas like in the film, it just kind of like happens and you're like, I just missed something. But then he's yeah. in her room, like helping yeah. her like throw her clothes in a bag. Okay. Right. And then, okay, right. this irritates me. Okay, so we're going to get into this. So pretty much like Bella says that she like breaks Charlie's heart by saying the same words that her mum said to him when, when she, she dumped him. Yeah. yeah. But the line is changed from the book. And... I don't know, just something about, like, the performance about, like, oh, having, like, cobble every night and, like, watching, like, sport on the flat yeah, screen. Like, it isn't, it that's doesn't not seem, me. 
Yeah, it yeah. just doesn't seem like something Renee would have said because in the book she says, like, just let me go, Charlie. I just really, really hate forks. And that just, like, mm. that would have worked a lot better. Just should have kept yeah. the line the same. But that's, yeah. like, one of my, like, nitpick things. Yeah, and is this is where she jumps in, like, the Cullens are jumping ship. Like, they're basically taking her into witness protection. Pretty and, much, like, yeah. they go to, they go to, is it, like, it's, like, a bigger, t- is it, like, one of the bigger towns or is it, is it Seattle? Do they go to Seattle? I think they go to... Do they go to Arizona? They go back home. Oh, no, they go to Arizona. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's right. They go over there. Yeah, with Alice and Jasper. Yeah. And, yeah, Jasper, played by a noted uh, star of the... Noted terrible star of The Last Airbender, Jackson Rathbone, (laughs) who I found out was in the running, like, one of the, like, uh, front runners to play Edward. And, oh, what what a bullet they dodged there. Who knows? He could have been better. <laughs> no, have you, like I've seen this guy in two things, and he's terrible. And he's well, I mean, this is barely a role, but like he is terrible. Like he's terrible in the Last Airbender. I mean, it's a terrible script, but he's not good. I but mean, anyway, that's why so they, I think it might be better. But this is where we go back of like, so we got Edward that can predict, like in terms of made up fake vampire mythology here. So Edward could read minds, and Alice is can predict the future. But they're saying like the. Like, her predictions can change based on people's decisions. Like, okay, someone tell me how this works. If I have this right? So, yeah, predict right. the future, but she also sees them change in real time based on she, decisions. Yeah, so she can only see what's going to happen in the future if someone decides something's going to happen. So, for example, if I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go fill up my car before work, she would see that I was going to go fill up my car before work. Okay, but, but if what I change my forgot? mind... What if you forgot? What? I... So well, it's useless. Th- so it's completely useless then. So but she if has you make to- up her mind about doing something. Yeah, that's why he's called it subjective. It doesn't always like mean that it's 100% going to happen. Yeah, and she can only see the visions of people. Like, So she can see humans' decisions because she used to be one. She can see yeah. vampires because she is one. But any okay. other creatures she can't see. Okay, well, I already know the ending of the last film and we're going to get there when we get there. But that just makes that explanation, as long as they do it, if they do it, like, because if they do a better explanation or her powers somehow change from here till they get to the last film where she has a pivotal role in deciding the outcome of the finale of that film, from what I've heard, like, that seems really flimsy and really fucking dumb. But anyway, but what my big thing is because, like, uh, she gets, like, a threatening phone call. I believe it's from her mother's, mother's phone number. Yes, it's, it's from... It's James. Yeah. It's James who says, like, oh... Uh, basically tricks her into coming is like, I've got your mother, come meet me in your old ballet studio. And yeah. like, you know, you give me the money, I'll give you the stuff. How did you know so, about the mum? They share like, like a blood. No, he found her um, details from going to the Forks like school right. office. He said that oh. Forks don't do a very good um, job of like hiding the student records. So he finds some details about where her mum used to live. And goes, I just don't expect someone to go in there and have a look at them. Well, he's a tracker, yeah. so like, yeah. Yeah. and also like in the meantime, while that is happening, Edward and Rosalie and all the others are trying. So that what what he's done, he's given Rosalie like Bella's clothes, and they're trying to like move the scent in a different direction and try and like right. put him off. Mm. So then Bella decides that she's going to get away from Alice and Jasper because she wants to protect her mum because he tells her, you have to go alone, meet me, otherwise I'll hurt your mum. Yeah. Um, so okay. she goes to the 
firstly, how does I know? And it's just convenient. I guess Alice's visions are very de- dependent on conve- how convenient they'll be to the plot. Because how the hell does she not see? that Bella could change her mind. Because Bella doesn't, like, no one can see Bella. Like, oh, we can't read her mind. Bella can't oh. see, like, her future because she, as you'll find out in later films, has, like, a shield mechanism. But basically anything to do with, like, Bella's mental um, thoughts or goings-on, if she has any, the vampire's, like, she's not susceptible to it. So she, like, Alice can't see her going. Oh, okay. So right. she managed... Sounds really weird. Okay. So you make you make a decision in your head, then she could see a future. If it, if the decision changes, of course the, the future can't exactly. Okay, but then she can then see that future that has been changed. She can see, yeah. Yeah. She can see when things if change. Okay, we're we're gonna have to discuss this for an hour when we get to Breaking Dawn Part Two when we get to the ending of that film because, yeah. I mean, uh, just from the information I know about it now, I can. We're going to be talking about it for a long time, but actually, in context and with the rest of the film, yeah, that's going to be a big one. But she goes yeah. back to Forks and she goes to her old ballet studio, and she finds out it was. She hears like this this voice of her mother coming. She's trying to find where her mum is. She opens the door and it's a video. Uh, it's like a home. It's a home video of her mother's voice and her. And she finds out. Oh, I've been duped. And James turns turns around. James is there. Like throws her against a couple of walls. Uh, we get uh, this is the big climactic end of this. A very um, loud fight scene, I will say. Very is, loud fight yeah. scene. And he does video record it as well to make it extra. Yeah, dramatic. making yeah. Did that guy kill the mum? No, no, the, the, the mum's fine. Never, no, never touched the mum. The mum's in there. He broke into. How did he get the video then? Or did he like break into like her house? Just to kill well, the he was if maybe it, from um, Charlie's he, house. Kicking around at Forks, probably. No, he actually went to the mum's house in Arizona. Because the mum's still in Jacksonville. But he actually found right. that while he was in there, found the ballet studio thing, so went from there. But it's a smart idea, and then basically breaks Bella's leg, and he's like trying to make his right. own little like snuff film when Edward comes to save the day. Yeah, and she's like, scream for your Edward or something. I don't know, like something of that sort of thing. I don't... No. So, okay, like, actually... He's basically actually. trying to provoke Edward because he, he likes the game of it. Right. And Bella's like, yeah, I'm not yeah. having it. Yeah, it's playing with your food before you, before you eat it. That's Yeah, quite doing. literally. Yes. And um, then Edward comes and, like... Like, before this happens, um, James manages to bite Bella's arm. So while they're fighting, she's writhing in pain. And then Edward's siblings come and take care of James. And at one point, you literally see them, like, take a chunk of, like, flesh out of James's skin and, like, spit it. It was actually, like, microwave ham and cheese. So they had, like, layered his, like, skin on the neck. Wow. Had they run out of makeup? Uh, Had the makeup budget dried up at that point? That's what they were doing. Like, but um, they had the wires to help them at that point. And then they did, like, the fire where there's, like, this really great, like, shot where, like, Alice literally, like, jumps up on James and, like, rips his head off and then throws okay, it to the fire. because so I cool. was wondering where the hell the fire came from. They it's started good. it with the wood. Yeah, I the Because I was, like, Alice I thought they just... His head off. I thought they just broke James's neck and it burst into flames. Like, that is just... That's how I thought that scene happened. No, it's kind of like porcelain, actually, if you see um, the clips. And they rip off. Oh, the sounds okay. that their, their, their skin makes oh, in, like, wow. the future ones is so it's good. Like sandpaper? It. it sounds like metal, like, being, like... Oh, okay. Yeah, it's so good. It's some a really fo- good sound Some folly artists were having some fun, I bet. So, yeah, yeah. so Be- Be- Bella is twitching and bleeding on the floor, like, basically dying. And so 
Edward's basically like, I have to suck all the venom out, but it's going to be hard for me because, you know, I'm, I, I think your blood, your blood is literally heroin to me and someone, somebody will have to stop me because I could fucking kill you. I really want to do like an impersonation of his face because it makes me like laugh so hard because it looks like he's obviously trying to stop, but he can't and his face is like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I might isolate that and post that. <laughs> I had to though, but like Rob Pattinson's song is playing and like Bella's kind of like drifting between like life and death. Obviously yeah, just being her life is kind of flashing before her eyes here. It's really like, yeah. awful. it's really well done, honestly, yeah. if you ask me. And then the book, they, I think it's more of like a drowning like analogy that she has. Yeah, she does. Yeah. And then she has like this, like she's in the hospital and her mum is there and she hears the story that like, she fell like down a couple of flights of stairs and then right, through a window, yeah. which is something that Bella would do. And then she kind of like leaves the hospital and Edward's been like pretending to sleep there the whole time. And he's like, oh, I have to like, we need to leave force. Like we can't like be around you, da, da, da. And Bella has this like spin. She's like, no, like, no, you can't leave. Yeah. Like, no. That, that, is, that, is, that is her vocal pattern too. It's so bad. Like I understand why people give her a hard time about her performances because of that one yeah. scene. But it's such a shame we're taking out of context because everything else that she does is so good. But that is just important. Right. Important note here: when when she wakes up in the hospital, Edward is asleep, which is probably he's the first good either. the first good night's sleep he's had in like ninety years, probably. <laughs> um, that scene like kind of goes off pretty quickly. But you know what? We really got cheated on in that final scene. Bella is wearing chucks to her prom, and the dress that she's yeah, wearing and a moon boot. The description that she has in the book is that Alice has done her up to like the absolute nines and she's in this gorgeous gown and everything. Obviously it's like their prom is not really like that done up. Bella could have at least put some effort in. Like I get it's not her, but it would have been really nice to see like a pretty dress for like the last scene. That, that's just me nitpicking. Are you also nitpicking the I don't think she was wearing... one of the best dresses though compared to Jessica's dress. Oh my God, yeah. Jessica's <laughs> dress is horrible. terrible. Yeah. Jessica's, look, Jessica's dress made her boobs look good, okay? She was happy. But, yeah, and then they're playing, like, that weird, um, the Jane's Addiction song, and then they go outside. Jane's Addiction as well. Come yeah, on, and then, like, my favourite part. So, like, you know how, like, the entire last scene is them spinning? The actual form oh, of that gazebo was spinning as well. Yeah. While oh, really? Oh, cool. And that, that song that plays is just... Flightless like, birds. Oh, oh it's yeah. I was I tied in wine actually. It is. Very yeah, good. Sorry. And it like, actually the song appears again in another film. I won't spoil. It, yeah, it it does. So good. But um, in that apparently scene, Kristen picked out that song to play. Yeah, she did. Um, and it's like it's kind of funny because at times you can see their breath because it was like minus five degrees when they were like filming that part. Jeez. Yeah, so like their coats were like really yeah, big. Like, they, they shot on like they shot on location in like Forks, Washington too, right? Or did they shoot somewhere? Else? I think they shot in Forks, but I think they shot in Oregon. No, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, which is close. But yeah, so they're having their basically their first dance at the prom. Uh, it's really nice. She's wearing. Uh, Ashley doesn't like the fact that she's wearing uh, Chuck Taylors, but like, come on, she's got one foot in a moon boot. Do you do you know how weird she would be walking around if she had That's like the whole point? It's been too funny. <laughs> but um, at that point, also we brush over it because I hate him. But Jacob's dad bribes him with twenty dollars to come uh, to warn go, her to yeah, stay yeah, away from notice him. Notice how little we talked about Jacob. I. <laughs> Jacob's I don't even know we why should. 
Like, <laughs> oh, my dad gave me 50 bucks to tell you to stop It's only 20, jeez. Like, it's only 20, exactly. Like, oh, it doesn't he's a, matter he's what a 15 year old boy, guys. Range. But uh, no, we'll get into why I hate Jacob a lot more in later films because he's like he's tolerable oh, in this one. Jacob is meant to be 15? In this film, yeah. Yeah. He does not look <laughs> like it. He does not um, look like it. I don't know how old Taylor Lautner was at the time, but he probably would have been like eighteen because Kristen Stewart was what seventeen or eighteen, like she was like out of, around that age. She yeah. was. Uh, he would have been sixteen, filming oh, really? this. Really? Yeah. Right. So he was perfectly cast, but yeah, um, he pretty much says like, "Stay away," and then yeah. at that point, like Edward comes back over yeah. and he says like, "I leave you alone for two minutes," and the wolves descend. It's just like, yeah. We love uh, it. The wolf's, yeah, the wolf's descent. Foreshadowing yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, foreshadowing the next movie and this movie. Perfect. And as we get, I think is the final shot, actually, which is Victoria, like, somehow here. I love that she's shot. Down, I love and she's slowly that walking down the stairs. Everything. And she yeah. takes her hair out and then 15 step yeah. radio head starts playing and it's just cinema, like... And then oh. the close, the closing the credits, credits is too. like the the closing credits before we get to like the CGI like water on the lake. It's like weird. Like here's all the here's all the great parts of this movie that we've seen in like you know black and blue filters, and it's like weird slow mo. And it, I, I do appreciate the respect for the entire cast. Everybody gets a picture next to their credit. Yeah, they do. Everybody, <laughs> literally everybody does. But it's such a nice like outro though. Like, yeah, it's really good. I really love that song, so maybe I'm just a little yeah. bit like, yeah. Yeah, then you just let, I just let the credits roll because I was like, maybe, I was thinking maybe like, is there a post credit scene? Maybe it's just because Marvel has rotted my brain into thinking that's just what happens with, that's just the norm for fucking blockbusters. There is a post credit scene in the fourth one. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. The fourth one is in Breaking Dawn part one. Part one. Okay. I hate that film so much. It's okay, the worst. I, I'm excited to get to it then. Uh, but I, I, again, like, I don't know, Eric's been rather quiet for these last couple of minutes. And Eric was, uh, when, we, when I proposed this to him, he was quite against it. And um, after the first film, uh, are you going to join us for the rest of these? Or are you just going to dip after this? I don't know. I'll think about it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The film wasn't, like, as bad as I thought it was going to be. But, but, like, the downside of that is that it seemed a little bit more I don't know generic I don't really watch like um I'm not really familiar with like sort of the teen uh like those uh young adult adaptations uh kind of things so yeah it's a bit it's a bit strange to me mm. especially like now that I'm sort of out of the age bracket yeah. um like, like I you do could... think though Twilight out of all the others was the most stylized the other ones came like quite yeah, they were very. I think they were very much like this was the template for those sorts of ones. Yeah. Like it was like yeah. every, they were trying to be like the the world building of Harry Potter, but with the romance of Twilight. Like that's I think that was the formula that they were trying to get to. A lot of them really just tried to have their cake and eat it too, and it's just like none of them ever reached yeah. even close to that. I don't I know. Think Twilight's... they really tried with the clips, like to try and hire like David Slate. David Slade, yeah, Eclipse, Eclipse is a legitimately good film, and I will argue that moment around here because I actually think it's a good film. Okay, well, of all of them, <laughs> David Slade has uh, David Slade is a genre filmmaker though. First Twilight, do you think that's a good film or an all right film or a this bad? This first one, 
Yeah. yeah where, where does this stack up against the rest of the series? As we, as, as we get to su- summing up this, uh, this episode. It's my what third we... favorite. Okay. You, Sarah? You're a bad film. I think it's my, probably one or two. Probably my number one or number two. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, there's at least, as you were saying, like saying that this is this the most stylized. I appreciate the commitment to trying to establish a style. And I think the movie does a good enough job at laying the groundwork for the rest of the franchise. I think I can't say. And it's very faithful to the book as well. It is very faithful. I think just in that there's, uh, and again, like, again, I can't really comment because I haven't read the book, but like there's, there seems to be like a lot of this part, like a lot of the issues with the film also stem from the book saying that not not like saying that this is like the that twilight is like the iliad or anything but like it, it apparently i don't know if this is a what you would consider necessarily an, a difficult book to adapt or an easy one to adapt but like i just feel like to me watching the film it feels like a lot of the issues from the film have, have been carried over to the book because they really wanted to make a faithful adaptation and they probably could have cut the fat a little bit more in this that's just me mm. Do you think that's a fair assessment or am I being too hard on it? No, I think it's fair. I mean, with the kind of book and the kind of film that was like made as a result, um, it's sort of, there is, uh, as you, as I think you've mentioned before, Sean, it's sort of, um, it, it's not really something that you would sort of assess as just being like, I don't know, maybe a standard film. It's sort of, it's in its own league of you go to compare it to things in the genre because it's sort of, um, uh, this like a like a formula or structure that it would that it would be following it's sort of like high school setting um i guess like maybe like love triangles i think were very they're always very popular but i think they're very popular in like um young adult novels or that sort of been taught yeah, by absolutely my class also like twilight was kind of the blueprint to be honest like the ya genre and everything became like quite similar and tried to copy a lot of yeah them. It had been yeah. around for a while, but Twilight was the one that took it to like that yeah. next level of being popular. Yeah, and then it was kind of it. I think it was to it was kind of Twilight was kind of I guess to use a term that is used in one of the books. It was kind of eclipsed by the Hunger Games. I think the Hunger Games kind of eclipsed Twilight in popularity because Hunger Games was kind of coming out as that was ending. I don't. I don't I think, think it did. Clear. To be honest. Or maybe, maybe not I a think clips, maybe like, it did in terms of like wider appeal because like guys yeah, could enjoy hunger games more. But I think like the phenomenon of Twilight was different too. Um, comes down because it was specifically aimed at women. I'd I'd say that Twilight probably had more cultural impact than Hunger Games. Cultural, game. exactly. Yeah. Like harder than like how than Hunger Games is to Twilight kind of thing in terms yeah. of impact. I also just feel like um it in the fact that it's like sort of this hybrid it, it i don't i don't know whether it does a good enough job and i think it, it to varying successes of either like bringing the fans of like all of these different things together like eric was saying like it's a teen movie it's a romance film it's a drama it's also like yeah it's also got like a, a horror and genre element to it though like ho- horror fans are certainly going to be alienated by this film but certainly like um uh, like like you know fans of like teen films and like you know you know like romances like I wouldn't think that they would uh, have to what do you call it uh, a romance than a horror yeah. film like a romance film with like like I don't know horror aesthetics I guess with like the gloomy look of it right 
All right. So Ashley and Sarah have to go now. So Eric and I will wrap this up, but thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Pete, where can people <laughs> find you online? If they, well, they, you're going to hear you on other episodes, but where can people find you online? Um, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AshmaXX. And also on maketheswitch.com.au. Read Ashley's reviews. They're great. Any Twilight retrospectives in the near future, you reckon? Like, I mean, oh. you finally got a platform to talk about this now. Um, on, the po- on the podcast, obviously. But also, will you ever consider doing something like that for Switch? Well, I technically already did one because I did cover Kristen Stewart's filmography oh, for her right. 30th birthday. So if anyone's interested in reading that one, you can go read that one. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Ashley. Shara, where can people find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter. So my username is Sarah on film and my letterbox is attached to that. Mm, awesome. And if you've got any tenant updates, tenant updates, <laughs> follow Sarah because she is well and truly across that. Doing a better job at marketing the film than Warner Brothers at the moment. To get yep. around that. Thank All right. Thanks, thanks for, for having us. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right, Eric. So how did we feel about... Yeah, fi- any final thoughts on Twilight? Because it's been... An interesting one, I, I think, because it's certainly not the best. It might actually probably be one of the best films we've done here on Film Fiasco. What would you reckon? As it's just of like, as a complete film, like it doesn't, it, it kind of has somewhat. It's definitely probably the most competently made film, I would say, compared to the, the rest of the stuff we've made. Besides Freddy Got Fingered, of course. Yeah, well, I think Freddy Got, Freddy Got Fingered is like in a league of its own. But like this kind of falls into... Twilight kind of falls into competently made, but kind of just like boring. But like, there's a few moments that are just a little bit ridiculous, but like there's an attempt to make a good movie here. It's just, it doesn't fall into so bad. It's good. It doesn't fall into all that sort of stuff. It's just sort of, it's, it's, but it's innocuous. It's a harmless sort of film. And I guess what makes it interesting is like sort of the, the, the following that it had around it sort of, as I mentioned, exactly the impact it had on like the film landscape and, I guess just sort of like literature as well, um, tying in like the the books, um, having an influence on its respective like field. So it's it, it, it's interesting to just sort of like assess uh, these films have had such a big impact on like, mm. um, especially now, like now that a lot of time has passed as well. Yeah. So it's interesting to look back on these films and like, I guess it brings up like, you know, memories of the time too. And like, you know, because this was just such a huge cultural phenomenon. It was like, like, even though like, like this twilight fever, I guess it was unavoidable. Even if you weren't seeing the films, like the hype around these films, whether positive or negative, like, you know, it was, it was unavoidable. Like you couldn't escape it. Looking back at it, as I mentioned, like, uh, well, when we were watching the film, you, you told me or you reminded me that the film came in 2008 and I thought like, the first film came out later. Like I thought the series is uh, a lot newer than what it was. Um, and because the last of, one was released in 2012. Yeah. I mean, that's what you I were thinking. That would have been when um, the hunger games, first hunger games yeah. sort of came out around. I think there. there was a couple of months difference between the first hunger games and the last twilight. Like it's, um, it's strange. Cause I didn't really, I never really took too much of mine to, to, I don't know, twilight. So it's interesting to watch the film and sort of, have a look back at it just like um with like even with like harry potter just how yeah uh, you can really comprehend the, the scale um mm. of the phenomenon like in in all its aspects and sort of just like me like really just watching vampires suck and that's sort of the most that i've got from like twilight and then when i'm watching twilight i'm, I'm just like remembering this 
is vague. Yeah, scene. you remember. Oh, it feels familiar, and that's because I was just. You've seen yeah, vampires suck. Seen yep. Vampires suck. I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> Goodness. All right. Well, I guess that's Twilight from 2008. Uh, uh, it's a hard film to recommend because I think watching this in isolation, like it does set up a sequel, but it doesn't do so in a way that's like that audacious, like, or like you're saying, like, I get, I don't know. Like this movie just is frightening. Oh, I can't I think. really recommend it unless you want to just look at it as like, you know, for an assessment or if you're, look, yeah, you know, if you want, if you want to like, I guess reminisce about, no, not reminisce isn't the word, but like just talk about, I guess, remind you of how big this franchise was and like you know the impact that this film had and if you just want to go back to it like it's an interesting revisit but not an entirely rewarding one let's just say that but yeah but like don't expect um something like i don't know like nothing but trouble like that's just, you know, it's just bloody just bizarre yeah we will get to nothing but trouble we have promised that for like a year and a half now we will get to that but Next, we've got Twilight New Moon, the, the Twilight Saga New Moon, I should say. Uh, whether Eric is going to join uh, Ashley and uh, Ashley, Sarah, and I for that one is still remains to be seen. But even even after what we've said for this entire episode, I'm looking forward to discussing New Moon because at least to me, there's a bit of newness there. Yeah, because I haven't I, seen that or any yeah, of this, any I, of the sequels for that I matter. Seen any of the other ones, and I probably would have even like lesser knowledge into going into those all i know is that like uh i don't know they're, they're leading off from one another and that i hear things like they've gotten married in, in one of the films like i don't know really common i guess like details it'd be interesting to see what happens especially considering that you mentioned that the other films have different directors as well yeah yeah, I believe the next the next one was directed by Chris White, who's one of the White's brothers that were behind American Pie. And just before this, like um, Chris White's just before New Moon, he had done The Golden Compass. So like he ha- he has a very very strange filmography, um, Chris White's. So I'm interested to see like what sort of direction that New Moon goes in. It looks like it's got it goes in a quite quite a different direction, like in terms of I guess like shot composition and the way like the film looks as well. So I'm interested to check that out and you guys can hear us when we do that, when we cover Twilight, the Twilight Saga, New Moon, within, I don't know, within at least a a couple of weeks or so. So stay tuned for that. And if you want to stay tuned for that, an easy way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Basically, wherever you get podcasts, just search for another Buddy Movie Podcast and hit that subscribe button. You can also like our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at AB Movie Podcast, and you can follow us on Instagram at Another Bloody Movie Pod. Both of us have Letterboxd. You can check us out on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com forward slash Sean Coates. That is S-E-A-N-H-U... No, S... That is my... <laughs> that, that is my Twitter handle. Oh, my God. You can follow me on... However, Letterboxd, letterboxd.com forward slash Sean Coates. That is letterboxd.com forward slash S-E-A... N C O A T E S. Eric, what is your letterbox? You are because I'm I'm also I'm known on Letterboxd as my username is the my username is Sean Coates, but my my name on my Letterboxd account is the Backwards Man in honor of Freddie Got Fingered. And Eric has also done a I guess a sister account to mine called Daddy Would You Like Some Sausages? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess just search Daddy Would You Like Some Sausages on Letterboxd. You might get some weird um you might get some weird results, but you'll find Eric there. I mean, um, my picture's ripped, torn, uh, just out of focus, <laughs> smiling. 
I, I doubt uh, you find many people with a picture like that. It's amazing. It's amazing. But also, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, both at SeanHub underscore. That is S-E-A-N-H-U-B underscore. My Twitter is also redesigned to be the backwards man in, in honour of Freddie Got Fingered and the great Tom Green. And also... Melbourne International Film Festival is coming up in an online form because of lockdown, and I will be covering it along with a bunch of other writers at Movie Babble, which is now just moviebabble.com. We've ditched reviews. It is no longer moviebabblereviews.com. It is now just moviebabble.com. So to get traffic to the site, it's going to be a lot, easy, a lot easier. I also did some coverage for the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival that happened recently, also online, as you might suspect. So I did an article about that covering a few films that played there. So make sure to check that out over at moviedabble.com and also check out, check out my upcoming Myth reviews for Myth 68 and a half, which has been stylized for all you Fellini fans out there, which should be the 69th, but it's 68 and a half, which was a happy accident, I guess, on the Myth, depart- on the, uh, myth marketing team department and a uh, good little joke there, I think. Anyway, that was Twilight. Thanks for listening to this, this edition of Film Fiasco. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch up and, and be notified whenever one of our Twilight episodes drops. Thanks again for Eric for joining me and also to Ashley, Teresa and Sarah for coming on the program. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.